0: What's up, everybody? Welcome to another edition of Let's Watch. That's right. After two or three episodes that I've already recorded, I recorded two episodes about two months ago. I recorded another one with my dad last week. That'll come out at some point. But after three episodes, I finally decided on the title Let's Watch. So welcome to the Let's Watch Watch edition. Not the Let's JC Watts edition. I can't even talk. The Let's Watch edition on Inside OU. Podcast I am Brady Trantham, and uh, I'm going to do my best not to cuss that much because <laughs> uh, <laughs> good luck. saying you know like 87 times, you know that's a lot of editing. it's a lot of bleeping you got to do, so uh, that's on me, but you know hopefully some people enjoyed the first episode we put out uh, 2015 OU TCU, Kamiar Morabi and Stephen Brown. Uh, had a lot of fun doing it with them. Had a lot of fun doing it with my buddy Matt, my dad, even last week. that was fun in an interesting way, and now I'm going to have more fun with my good buddy and co-franchise Thunder coverage guy. Now he's going to be pretty much coverage guy uh, at the franchise when sports uh, come come back to us. One day. Oh, man. Oh, man. But yes, Mr. Ryan
1: Chapman is here. What's up, Ryan? Not much, man. I'm just happy for the distraction, honestly, because um with no sports it's it's been tough we kind of got through that first little bit of the quarantine process the newness has worn off and now i'm desperately wanting sports back in my life so thank you for having me on this is gonna be a ton of fun
0: i mean we're doing the we're doing the thing that everybody's doing right now being stuck in their homes and you know there's no basketball going on right now the regular season would be about about a you know about two weeks left of the regular season at this point i can't believe it and then we'd be getting ready for the playoffs. And then free agency, trades, draft night, the NFL draft coming up in a few weeks, apparently. I don't know.
1: Um, in some way, shape or form. They Allegedly. might be doing it the exact same way we're doing this. I know. Can you imagine a 32-team Zoom lobby of just the GMs? No, and they play? should just—they
0: should allow like hundreds of fans to be able to like join the Zoom party so you can <laughs> see all their live reactions. Just
1: basically people booing uh, Roger Goodell. That would be great. Just on the, camera. <laughs> the owners should like... I know that... Giddell's a representation of the ownership, so they like him, but the owners should do their part and just boo him. Oh, just, yeah. Just, just for us.
0: Boo the hell out of him. And what you, are you gonna boo when the Raiders take Kenneth Murray?
1: Yes, I'm gonna boo very loud. Um, I'm why do, more why f- do you hate Kenneth Murray, really quick? This is the Inside OU podcast. Why do you hate Kenneth Murray? So at the next level, uh, the Raiders, I'm a big Raiders fan, for those of you that don't know, and we need a middle linebacker. We've been playing the sign an old dude who has no time left in his career for Five six years, and I'm tired. Is Bill,
0: of, is Bill Romanowski too old at this point? Yes,
1: yes, <laughs> yes. He's past his prime, I think we can say. And so here, here's the thing: I think Kenneth Murray is going to be a great. I think he'd be a great outside linebacker yes, in the league. He would be. A, he would be a
0: great outside linebacker in the league. He would have been a great and, outside linebacker at OU.
1: Yeah, yeah. And I'm just worried that Kenneth, having Tim Kish as his uh, linebackers coach for two years, learning the position, he's just not where I need him to be.
0: Three years. Three years or no, you're right. Two years. Yeah. So it seems like three years.
1: It felt like forever. He's just not where I need him to be. I have some concerns. He tackles too high. I think, um, there were still times where he's over pursuing his run fits. I noticed that in the bedlam game last year. So that's, uh, like, I know it takes a long time to undo some of the bad habits, but I felt like at times he's one of the most exciting athletes on the board. But in the NFL, you can't make a ton of money. Well, you can make a ton of money, but at the middle linebacker position, you can't just be a pure athlete. you got to be able to know the game, understand it. And he might get there. I'm just worried that for a first-round guy, he's not that sure thing at the middle linebacker spot the Raiders need. Uh, The thing I'm most mortified at is that they won't take CeeDee Lamb at 11, though, and if they take a quarterback, I'm going to (laughs) cry.
0: They'll take Jalen Hurts in the third round just to push you
1: off. (laughs) Yeah, it doesn't make me mad.
0: No, everybody, um, you all know the drill by now, I hope. Um, I know Inside OU was on a bit of a hiatus for a, a, a few months, actually. Um, franchise went through some shakeups. I'm, you guys are all well aware of that right now, by now. Um, and then we had to pivot from off-season content, obviously, with the pandemic going on, to how can i entertain all of our listeners well a lot of people are starting to do like rewatchables type podcasts where they will talk about you know certain games or certain eras of ou football or certain players just kind of reminisce and we might very well do that because these podcasts are pretty long but you know we've got a lot of time on our hands so the basic idea of this podcast the let's watch edition is literally go to youtube and we will tell you which particular youtube channel to go to what what game we're watching and then we will say three, two, one, go. You hit play on the video and then you just listen to us talk over it. So basically it's, it's, it's a companion to the game that you're watching. You would obviously put, turn the volume down on your TV and if you want, you can listen to us basically yap on about that particular game. And Ryan, um, also, I, I forgot to mention this, you also uh, co-host the Sideline Warning Podcast, which is awesome. Yes, yes. I, I love, love listening to you and Christine yap on about The Bachelor and all that jazz but I'm going to go ahead and give you the floor right now. You you got to, I, I let my guests choose the games because if I got to choose them, they would all be losses so that I can just bitch and moan. But this is the fourth game that I've done. This is the third Landry Jones era. This is the third Landry Jones game I'm doing. So just the floor is yours now.
1: So full disclosure, I was going to try and be a little counter culture. I, I kind of asked you, what are some of the games you have done? Cause I was going to initially pick a loss. Cause I didn't think that would necessarily be a, a popular thing for Sooner fans to want to relive but seeing as you've already done some losses I wanted to pick a few criteria a game that I was at just because I've been very fortunate in my life that my family put a huge emphasis on what we did as family time was go to OU games so it's kind of a a selfish you know get to relive something fun for me but this one I honestly I just felt like it would be good content I wanted to pick a game with historical significance too so we picked I picked the 2010 Big 12 Championship game. This is Oklahoma versus Nebraska. Um, at the time, it was going to be the last Big 12 Championship game. This is the last one before the conference realignment happened. So if Nebraska won, they'd be taking the Big 12 crown, flipping the double birds, and getting out of dodge. Yikes. So, uh, And this one, is it's also a fun game just because I felt like I was being a little mean to Brady here. He'd get to have a whole range of emotions, the whole Bob Stoops experience. <laughs> You have to deal with Landry Jones. There's going to be – they're going to get behind early. This they're was going to the come pin- back.
0: This was the pinnacle of Landry Jones' career too. This, yeah. was, a, this was a great Landry Jones game, by yeah. the
1: way. so and, – and, and honestly, I didn't think Landry played that poorly. I didn't remember Landry playing that poorly in this game either. So it's a game that OU's going to get down. They're going to come back. You're going to have to deal with Landry Jones. You're going to have to see a lot of Bob Stoops. So I just felt like this would be a good microcosm of the later portion of the Bob Stoops experience in Oklahoma. So that's that's essentially why I picked this it, one. It's also a good game just because
0: it being the last OU Nebraska game until they eventually meet again for the, um, the anniversary of the game of the century in 2021 in Norman. Yeah. Um, of course, that might be the first time that we actually have football. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> oh, no. No, this he is a good – This is a good microcosm of the OU Nebraska rivalry because what what do you when you're growing up in Oklahoma and obviously Ryan I'm a little bit older than you, um, how old were you for were how old were you for the 2000 and 2001 OU Nebraska games? I was 10 and 11.
1: In 2000, I was four and five. So four and five for those games.
0: So you've basically only really been like. Coherent football wise for one good OU Nebraska game. And it's this one. Yeah, essentially. You know, so like I got to see the 2000, 2001 OU Nebraska games. Those were classics in their own right. Uh, This 2010 OU Nebraska game is right up there because of all the things that you mentioned. Um, but when you grow up in Oklahoma and you learn about the, the rivalry, you basically just get the idea of typically OU typically won these games when it was Switzer versus Osborne, even going back to the Wilkinson days. Uh, Bob Devaney had a lot of success in the 60s. That's when OU kind of fell off before they came back with Switzer. But if you just had to describe OU-Nebraska rivalry, like just a run-of-the-mill OU-Nebraska game, Nebraska gets up, OU wins, Sooner Magic. You know, it's just like Nebraska yeah. gets up, OU comes back, and then sooner magic happens. So um, in a game where Nebraska leads 17 to nothing and then they lose the game, it's like, hey, that is poetic justice for the final game uh, as conference opponents before they go to uh, the Big Ten. And I was there, too, with my dad and my cousins, Jim and Pat. So uh, it was the first time I was ever in uh, Jerry World. And we were up in the nosebleeds. I don't know about you, but the, Nebraska goes up 17 to nothing. And I'm watching the game from the nosebleed. I'm watching the field from the nosebleeds. And if you just look straight across the other side, you can see the huge Jumbotron. It's just right in front of you. You can't miss it, obviously. So they're up 17 to nothing. I'm watching the field. And then I just start watching the game on the Jumbotron. And then, oh, you scored. And then I'm like, okay, I'm only just going to watch the game on the Jumbotron, and I watched the rest of the game on the TV screen inside the stadium Nice until OU won the game. So that was my big superstitious thing. Um, uh, yeah, that's it was a fun trip, but, man, it's still weird that that's the last time OU and Nebraska played.
1: Yeah, and I have a superstitious story from this game as well. I'll the, probably wait until we get into the game um, nice. so I can pinpoint the exact play that it happens. But when the turnaround happens, I actually had gone to the bathroom, and so I remember hearing um, the specific play happen while I was in the bathroom, just over the, you know, in-stadium, piping in of the radio call, and so I actually debated not going back to my seat, because I didn't go back to the seat for the ensuing drive, and uh, so we can kind of get into that when it happens, but uh, I I almost uh, didn't even watch the game, because I've always been super, very superstitious, so uh, this game is just also fun for me, because actually... It was my third memory of OU Nebraska. I obviously remember the 2008 game where it's 21-0 before anyone even blinks. And I remember thinking to myself, this is what Nebraska is. I thought, like, I've been taught my whole life this is a huge deal. What the heck? And then coming off the 2009 game, I froze my ass off in Lincoln watching Landry throw, I believe, five interceptions. And Dominick Sue run riot. And the last great Oklahoma defense (laughs) just be like, can we get any help at all? So when, it, when Nebraska went up 17-0 in this game, I was like, here we go again, flashbacks to Lincoln, not a fun time. So. Yeah, like
0: 2005, OU Nebraska in Lincoln was – it was a good game, um, but it was a good game between two average teams. That was the game Adrian Peterson came back from injury his sophomore year. That's the last time OU ever won in Lincoln, and it was the first time they had won in Lincoln since I think 1986 or 87, uh, the Patrick Collins game when he did the bow. Um, so just weird. It's a weird little rivalry that OU somewhat dominates. I think they have the, the series lead by nine or 11. It's something like that. Uh, but yeah, without further ado, uh, Ryan, go ahead and tell everybody what particular YouTube channel, what video that they need to click. And then this one's kind of weird because this one has all the pregame fanfare yeah. and all that stuff.
1: Okay. So everyone on YouTube type in 2010 big 12 championship game. That is what pops up. Now, there are two streams of this game, essentially, on YouTube. One of them is about an hour and a half. It's much better condensed, but the video quality is pretty doo-doo. So we're going to go with the one on the L.A. Sooner YouTube channel. It is two hours and 48 minutes in length. So go ahead and pull that one up. And then while you're pulling that one up, as Brady said, this one is a little bit weird because it has all the pregame. I'm pretty sure, if I remember correctly, it has the halftime in it too. So we may skip through that. So stay tuned. But essentially, once you get this one pulled up, again, this is the 2010 Big 12 Championship game search. Pull up the two hour, 48 minute one by LA Sooner and go ahead and move your cursor to nine minutes and 40 seconds. It's 940. That is ultimately where we are going to press play from, as that is the opening kickoff. So I'll give you a few seconds to do that. One last time, L.A. Sooner, 2010 Big 12 Championship game. It's about two hours, 40-something minutes, and you're pulling it up to the nine four zero mark.
0: Yeah, it's right when the Nebraska kicker starts moving forward to kick the ball. So um, I guess, are you ready, Ryan? I'm ready. Okay. Everybody out there listening in uh, podcast land, 2010 OU Nebraska, Big 12 Championship. Let's do this shit. 3 two one play and obviously for people watching the game on youtube wherever um if you get a random commercial just hit pause on the on the podcast and then we'll just come back right with you because that's happened already happened to me but it happened to you already not not in this one the one i did with my dad you know was was kind of weird nice um oh yeah let's let's
1: start the game off with a flag start off with a start off with a flag is that old moses madu Moses Medu senior year. This was Norman High. Norman High's own Moses Medu.
0: This was such a good OU team. This was such a good OU team. You have got Ryan Broyles, obviously. You got Landry Jones as a sophomore, and in my opinion, the best. His best year as a starting quarterback. Yeah, I agree. Uh, a lot of that a lot of that kind of goes to the fact that DeMarco Murray's back there. DeMarco Murray is just the engine that makes the, uh, the cog that makes the engine go with this offense. You got a pretty good offensive line. You got Kenny Stills as a true freshman, Trey Millard. You've got a pretty salty defense. I mean, obviously they, they lose Gerald McCoy from a year prior and that's going to make them a little bit worse, but they're still pretty damn good like they were the year before. But this was, this was it 2011, 2012, 2013. I know had a good ending. 2014 was awful, but basically, from 2011 to 2014, OU fell off from where they were at, at this moment right now.
1: Yeah, and uh, it made me a little happy. There is we got to see a uh, cameo by our our coworker Gabe Iker. Gabe Iker got that got in there. So
0: yeah, is he still left guard? He's not. Is he or is he no? Because Ben Habern's the center this year in the in 2011.
1: Yeah, I, I'm pretty sure he's still rolling out at guard, but. uh just a, just a lot of fun. And this offense was just fun to watch. This is before, I guess, the book kind of got out on Landry that really all you had to do was was get anywhere near his feet and you were probably going to get the ball thrown directly to you. As he... I mean,
0: just even on that play, like he, he throws off balance. DeMarco's open. He's got minimal pressure. He doesn't need to – he just jumped up in the air and threw an inaccurate pass. And it's just I like... did...
1: What, what, the the guy by DeMarco, what a guy by Demarco Murray to pat his chest and say my bad as if that was his fault at all. I'm sorry, <laughs> I don't have
0: a 60 inch vertical. That's my yeah, bad. Yeah,
1: that's on me, bro. I shouldn't but have yeah.
0: done. I shouldn't have done yoga in the off season. I should have just jumped more. That's
1: but yeah, funny. it's just a little four man rush there off the edge. Landry just felt a little pressure from the backside, and that that's kind of what we got to know about Landry's career. Is yes, he's going to hold every record under the sun. Now, granted, can you name any other quarterbacks in the spread system that Oklahoma ran that started for all four years? I'll wait. That would be why Landry Jones holds every record at Oklahoma. So, yeah. if, anyone, if anyone tries to tell you that, please shut that down immediately. But uh, that's what we came to know from Landry Jones. It's oh, I very, mean, I'm- very easy to uh, get in his head.
0: I might, I might have to reveal the, the stat-a-palooza that I dropped on you on a random phone oh, call yes. Landry Jones. I took a deep dive on Landry Jones' numbers because I get tired of seeing that argument. Like I, There are people that defend him at the detriment of other players. Like You can like Landry Jones, but that was the, the quarterback when you were like in that prime, like I'm starting to like football age. I get it. Um, there are a f- there are a bunch of athletes that aren't very good, but they're Ante Jones, for instance, he was on the two thousand team. I think he's one of the most underrated players in Oklahoma football history. He was such a badass, but I don't know if I had that same opinion if I'm eighteen instead of ten, or if yeah. I'm twenty five years old instead of ten. So that's just the way it is. But well um, I- Roy Hall Jr. who I
1: thought was gonna be really good with the Redskins, but uh straight up the middle. Yeah. And just back to the Landry Jones thing, real quick. Yesterday on Twitter, I saw someone saying that, you know, just in an offhanded comment as part of something else, they basically were like, you know, one day Landry will get the respect he deserves. And then they kind of went off on their other stuff. And I'm just like, what respect does he deserve? I I think I accurately accurately respect Landry Jones. He was a fine quarterback. He's not up to the OU standard. He feasted on, uh, this was the beginning of bad Big 12 defense. Oh, yeah. Texas fell off. Yeah, and so he basically just put up video game numbers in a system that I'm sorry, but every OU quarterback just about has put up video game numbers. He's just the only one that started for four years because he wasn't good enough to go to the league. So
0: No, I mean yeah. people like when people like Landry Jones stands, the first thing that they'll say, like one of the first things that they'll say that isn't a number, like like he holds like the touchdown record or the yards record or whatever at OU. He was undefeated against Texas. Okay you need to leave that shit at the door. If you're not going to count the 98% of the game that he played against Texas as a true freshman because Sam got hurt on the third or fourth play on offense, then that, yeah. you've got problems. Like, yes, technically he doesn't get that L, but guess what? If you're going to say, well, he never, beat, he never lost to Texas. Okay, that's cool. There have been bad Texas teams that have beaten good OU teams, so yeah, he deserves credit for that. But he wasn't undefeated against Oklahoma State. <laughs> so it's yeah, like, well,
1: it's- what are we doing here? I I don't understand the psyche. Like, you don't have to love every single OU player ever. Also, I'm not a big Landry Jones fan, but I'll acknowledge he was pretty damn good. But he's not up to the standard that we've come to expect at Oklahoma. And I'm sorry, but I can't see how anyone can watch Baker Mayfield, Kyler Murray, Sam Bradford, any of those guys play and then try to tell me with a straight face that he's the best signal caller to ever – set foot on a one field. It's just, it's not true.
0: I mean, people are going to have the same kind of idea with with Jalen Hurts. He's, he's a polarizing personality as a quarterback. Like you, either, you either like him. Like, I, I happen to kind of like Jalen Hurts for some weird reason. I haven't really been able to pinpoint as to why. But, again, I think a lot of Jalen Hurts's positives. You're going to see that if we have a football season this year and Spencer Rattler kicks ass, I think you can give some of that credit to Jalen Hurts. If Jalen Hurts isn't here, maybe Spencer Rattler since Rattler doesn't kick ass as much, um, Landry Jones is kind of in the same vein in that like people like him or people just vehemently despise him. I don't despise him. I'm just here to. I'm just a truther. <laughs> like yeah, okay. Like yes, I see those gaudy numbers. I see everything, but to me, basically, when uh, from 2011 2012, his final two years, if OU played somebody with equal or better talent, OU lost. Yeah, this 2010 team was just too damn talented, and Nebraska. I mean, they're currently 13th in this game, and they're good. They're like at one point, I think they were a top five team before they kind of fell off. But they're good. But uh, OU still the more talented team of these two. And yeah, this is the yeah. height
1: of Bo Pelini's powers. Oh gosh,
0: current young style. Jeremy Beal. Is that Frank Alexander?
1: Looks like Frank.
0: That's Frank. See, like defensive ends, Frank Alexander, Jeremy Beal. Jeremy Beal, great. OU oh you defensive player hell it was Macon. oh yeah this is like price Macon's best game ever this is like the yeah. only game he ever like he was ever like on a box score
1: <laughs> yeah it was yeah
0: i think he this, forced like two or three fumbles and had a sack like he kicked ass this game
1: this is one of taylor martinez's like seven years in college too which makes it hard to place at times
0: and isn't his uh younger brother at nebraska right now or is his last name just martinez
1: his name's Martinez. I have no idea if they're related at all. Oh, my gosh. Well, they, kind of, of, that.
0: They, they both suck at throwing. So, yeah. And that, I mean, the fact that their last name is Martinez, like, I, I was like, oh, yeah, maybe that's why.
1: Yeah, I, I, I just had a double take when I saw it for the first time because I was like, holy crap, there's another – like, is it the same guy? What Is, <laughs> is he back? They meta- granted
0: him four more years? He's got the Jason White red shirt. He's yes. just not going to leave. <laughs> Never,
1: ever, ever going to leave. No but uh, again like it it
0: uh, to put it in a positive perspective we're over here trying to say that Landry is not the OU standard. Um, every every team in that conference in this conference at that time would have loved to have Landry. Texas with Landry Jones would have been pretty damn good.
1: Yeah. With oh, their absolutely. talent
0: yeah they would have been they would have been a 10 11 win team like OU was basically. So I, Landry's good. Like, don't don't get me wrong Landry's good. He's just uh uh-uh, uh not the standard.
1: I think the conf- here's the confusing thing on Landry is I think that we've started with Landry Jones entered an era of football where quarterbacks can have these gaudy numbers and not be guys that can go out there and win you a game.
0: Yeah, he's a, he's a Texas Tech under Mike Leach quarterback. Yeah. It's, you just pl- it's, plug in a guy and he's going to throw for 4,500 yards.
1: It's the era of game managers in a spread offense where this guy, he might not lose you the game, but he's not going to win you the game. Landry Jones, I can count on one hand. Like, I remember very clearly the West Virginia game where he famously audibled the Kenny Stills on the goal line. Like, Landry Jones won Oklahoma that game, the Tavon Austin game. But there weren't many games. You couldn't count on Landry to consistently win. And more times than not, he was going to throw the catastrophic interception that lost you the game. And so I think it's hard. Like if Landry came along nowadays, I think we would have a much easier time rationalizing what we saw out of him. Yeah. But he's just not a dude that was going to y- – you knew that Oklahoma couldn't win a national title with Landry Jones. You and just we knew can, it. So
0: Now we can pivot from Landry over to DeMarco because I don't know if you saw a few nights ago, I went on like a little bit of a mini video Twitter thread about how great redshirt freshman DeMarco Murray was in 07. Yes, and he just took a swing pass, a play like two plays ago, on a third down, and turned it into a first down. And just Demarco was so good. And even as a senior, he he doesn't have the same agility or speed, cutback speed that he had as a freshman. And uh, we can get into the, some of the reasons why. Yeah, um, but <laughs> God, like even even that not full potential, Demarco Murray was just so special.
1: Yeah, I just
0: I think people forget how good he was.
1: Demarco's and it, one of yeah, I, I totally like it wasn't until looking back, I think because he came so close to Adrian Peterson and he didn't do it in like he was physically dominant, but you couldn't touch Demarco Murray. Like Adrian could do that if he wanted to, but Adrian wanted to punish you. Demarco was like, "I'm just gonna juke around you. I'm just gonna jump cut right around you." Oh, Roy Finch, we can. I'm sure we have some Roy Finch that we can get in on.
0: Roy Finch and a Lincoln Riley offense, fire. Well,
1: <laughs> that's if he can. If see if he could digest the playbook. Well,
0: that's oh. that's that's true. But Lincoln, you know, he he'd probably think, okay, he'd probably just color like he'd get a playbook and color pictures in like red yeah.
1: crayon. Like this is what I want you to do, Roy. Okay. <laughs> Roy you've got two plays we only use you on these two plays the defense knows it's coming they can't stop it
0: run that little cool uh,
1: angle route you run to the
0: you run to the tackle and then you cut immediately upfield yeah my uh, stop it
1: my favorite route the get out of jail free card on oh my god Landry scrambling on fourth down genius offense um but my favorite get out of jail free card on NCAA video games is that route that you're talking about there with Roy Finch
0: yeah They ran it in the Sugar Bowl against Alabama on a big third down, and Trevor Knight hit him for like a twenty-five yard gain. It's like, where is where has this been?
1: Yeah, (laughs) yeah. I'm just like, oh, creativity. Imagine that. Hoo hoo. But uh, yeah. Just back to Demarco real quick. I I wish he was appreciated more for just how physically he was physically dominant in a different way. And I think again, just because it was so close to Adrian Peterson, I don't think that he gets the credit he deserves for just you couldn't touch the dude. Well, his floors were much lower than eight. Adrian Peterson's floor because 80 had
0: obviously a bad first half of the 05 standing. That Roy Hellu Jr. is gone. Got a 70 yeah, yard touchdown goes. run. That, no, no, that nothing, was the, nothing fancy. I mean, this is, again, this was the beginning of the Brent Venables giving up big plays defense, which is what caused Bob to decide, well, I need to bring my brother back. But who knows? He probably would have brought his brother back anyway.
1: Yeah. There's just, I just remember it was this defense was almost more frustrating than like the very, very bad Mike Stoops defenses. Cause you knew that 95% of the time they were going to be great, but there's going to be a 70 yard bomb at some point during the game. And you're just going to be like, if we could just wipe that off, we would have an elite defense, but they, they couldn't ever do it. And that was the beginning of, the big well, see, play, and then Mike wanted to be bin, but don't break. And then Mike said, screw, we don't have a system. We're going to be multiple in college, despite <laughs> the fact that we can't recruit a defensive tackle. No, I,
0: what you just said, that was, that's what I was screaming about for like from 2015 on until Mike got fired. The whole, okay, there's talent on, on defense. So they can, so Venables can afford to be aggressive. Well, you know, that could have potentially open the door for a big play. You know, a 70-yard bomb here or a, a big-time run that we just saw with Nebraska. Now, if you have a quarterback like Baker Mayfield or Kyler Murray, I would just scream at my TV, why aren't you more aggressive? Because you, decrease your margin for, you increase your margin for error. And if you do give up a big play, as a, as a defensive coordinator, you're just like, all right, go stop Kyler. Yeah, like, good, all, right, good luck. All, right, all right, go stop Kyler now, and then our defense will just regroup, and we'll still like, keep them coming, basically, and we're going to win our battles because we're just more talented than you. But Mike was like, no, we're just going to bend, not break. And it's, I, basically, I would rather have a Brent – not just because Brent Venables has gone on to have a lot of success at Clemson. I would rather have a Brent Venables philosophy on defense than I would ever want with Mike Stoops. And that goes without saying because Mike Stoops is a coward.
1: Oh, uh, this is this is something that like very popular sentiment in our section for years. We're just like, just bring the damn house. Like the defense is bad; it's bad. And I know that you can't rush eight guys every play. Not, I get that. But you should be blitzing a ton. Just like, hey, put make them beat you. You know what I mean? Like, yep. you'll, you'll expose yourself. But hey, this defense is going to give up seven points every time. So why not try? And force an interception, force a fumble, something. Which is why when Alex Grinch came in, I was like, look, I really don't care what happens because I know that this is a defense that's just going to be playing an attacking style, get upfield, try to make something happen. And I'm like, look, it's such an improvement over what we watched under Mike Stoops that I don't even care if the, if the philosophy could get blown to the smithereens against a bigger team in the SEC or something like that, which is a concern I have that playing that undersized defense, intentionally undersized, in a big game can get you beat. But the defense has gotten so bad that I don't think it's a negative anymore. You're just like, hey, roll the dice. Let's do something different. Because obviously what was happening in Norman was not working.
0: Just play worth a f**k. That's all I ask. Just try. (laughs) See, like, watching these early 2010 games, the one thing I definitely remember is just eye formation. A lot of it, yeah. I I wonder what Kennedy Brooks would be like as an eye back.
1: I think it'd be great. i I think the biggest beneficiary though would have been Trey Sermon. Well, of course. Trey Sermon would be like, yeah, I'll stay here. Yeah, go to <laughs> Going to the I formation. Badass. Trey, Trey Sermon would've actually got carries last year.
0: Who's on Nebraska? Prince uh, what was his name? Prince Um, um Amar- uh, Amaruka. Prince Amukamara. Yeah, Amakamura Am- or something. Something like that. Is he still in the league or is he is he flamed out?
1: I don't let me take a look. I, I remember him. Having a good year, too, and then – Because
0: I don't – like, Crick is their defensive end. He's a badass in this game. I just don't remember him having an NFL career, and he may very well have, and I'm like an idiot right now, but I'm trying to think of all the talent on Nebraska. Obviously, Roy Hellu Jr. went to Washington for a few years. There's probably the best NFL player on the field, Tress Way.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, Amaka Murray, he was the Big 12 uh, defensive player of the year this year. Uh, got... This season here. And then – I know he was on the Bears last. Let me take a gander here. Dressed with a little bit of a shank. And a good return, missed tackle. Oh, snap. They're on the other – they're on the OU side of the field. Yeah, Thanks, la- last season, Amakamura was released by the Bears for cap space. So, th- this might have been the end of his run, but he was a starter in the league up until this past season. Okay. So.
0: Yeah. So good on the him big, there. The big matchup was him versus Ryan Broyles, and I think Ryan has, like, one big catch and a big moment. Later, like later yeah. on in the game, but Kenny Stills basically, Kenny Stills had a great freshman year. I mean, people obviously knew who he was, and he was a big, big. He was a big reason why OU was able to do the things that they were able to do. But this was kind of like a another coming out game for him.
1: Oh, can we sidebar real quick? The New York Jets are nine and two. Yes, yeah, it's right in
0: the middle of Sanchez, I think. Right? <laughs> yeah, I think so. Yeah, like Rex York? Ryan. Yeah, this is like Mark Sanchez rookie. Yikes. Anyway, it's been, it's been a while. Ooh. And there's Rex Burkhead. That, I, don't that know, was, I, I don't know why uh, Bo Pelini's like, I'm going to have you throw a
1: halfback pass. <laughs> Rex Burkhead was the blast from the past. I was like, oh, crap. This is this is then. Okay. Oh, that Connecticut game. Yes. You it's n- very you need, important. You need Connecticut to win. The winner of this game gets to play the winner of Connecticut in South Florida in the Fiesta Bowl. Oh. Ugh. But I'm just excited. This is my favorite time of when uh, – Oh, he was on defense because my boy out there. Tony Jefferson come off the edge. Yes. Oh no, was this was he number three his freshman year? Or did he change?
0: No, he was always number one. Was he? Yeah. He never changed. Brennan Clay. Brennan Cla- Clay changed his number like every year. He was three, then twenty-one, and then
1: whatever he finished off as twenty-four. I, I think I'm thinking of Tony's position because he wa- he was what a, a cornerback and then an outside linebacker and then a safety. No. Was he hurt this game? Is that why Just, Joseph Ibeloye is playing? I think so. But I'm I'm pretty sure that Tony Jefferson changed positions every single year. Uh, Tony Jefferson was my you might,
0: favorite. You might be thinking of Nick Harris. Nick Harris actually played middle linebacker for a game. He started at middle linebacker in 2008.
1: I remember that. That was yeah, –
0: uh, Ryan, Ryan Reynolds got hurt in the Texas game. The defense fell off. Brandon Crow came in and it sucked. And then the next week, OU played Kansas, and then they put <laughs> – they put Nick Harris at middle linebacker, and he was obviously a really great athlete. He can kind of make it work, but he was just too small. And then they finally put in uh, Mike Baligan, who finished off the rest of the year, and then, of course, Florida State tattled on a, on OU, and
1: he wasn't able to play anymore. Bastard. All right, so I can confirm that he did move to safety at one point. Okay. We do that. Okay, this is an article from 2012.
0: This is a Big J podcast. Usually it's just a, you know, Bunch of us drunk and saying all the time and complaining about that guy Bob. What's up, Bo? Another like you know, formerly on the OU staff, a friend of Bob.
1: Okay, yeah. So he was so he would lined up at safety. He'd been a majority of his time. He'd been a hybrid linebacker near the line of scrimmage. Occasionally playing corner. So there we have it.
0: Yep. Oh, you down ten nothing now after Nebraska. Kicks a long field goal. Remember this guy, this field goal kicker for Nebraska, kick kick like a sixty yarder, no question. Oh, oh and, yeah. And then, like, obviously, everybody knows how this game ends. OU wins, but Nebraska had the ball last and a chance to, I think, take the lead or tie it. And all they really had to do was get to the logo. And I'm just like, I remember watching it, just being so damn
1: nervous. Like, oh my god, this guy can kick for like sixty. <laughs> no. Yeah, no, you're just being like this. Dude's automatic. Was this when OU still had Jimmy Stevens too? Oh man, is this, is this the year that OU yeah. went went yeah, to Florida State and Jimmy yeah. Stevens took years off Bob Stoops' life? No, that was the following year. Okay, that was when they go to
0: Tallahassee. Is 2011?
1: Gotcha. Yeah. Uh, so this was the Christian Ponder year.
0: Yeah, this is when Florida State came to Norman. I know you kicked the shit out of him Yeah, made and, Christian like, Ponder look silly. Well, Christian Ponderous. Well, I mean, he he married up. Oh, hey, Samantha. respect. Respect. Paul
1: oh, oh, Stevenson had a cup of coffee in the league there. Oh, this is a cool little – oh, Roy Finch is so fun. Look at that. I just – I remember finally getting closure when, when Gabe Eichard, uh came to the franchise, and finally he told a story. Now, I may be getting the names wrong, so bear with me, but it was some variation of Roy Finch was in practice, and they had a screenplay – and I think it was uh, lion for the screen was going left and Ram for the screen is going right. Mm-hmm. They called Ram and Finch went to the left in practice. And Gabe said that when he came back over, he's like, I thought he said lamb and Gabe was like, dude, lamb is not even in the playbook. It is lion or it's Ram. It's not like lamb's not an option. And then I was like, ah, I get it now. That is thought, why Roy Finch didn't get the carries. I thought he said lamb, and now I'm hungry. Just, <laughs> he's actually a soothsayer, and he was uh, calling for seedy lamb. Oh, yeah. Years yeah. and years before. And Roy Finch also, also not, not a very good. pass protection, yeah. yeah. Not very good in pass <laughs> protection at all. Well, that's what happens when you are, what, 5'5"? Five, five?
0: Yeah, now he's in jail. Poor Roy. Well, I mean, he's kind of a piece of crap, man. I think he I think he uh, beat his girlfriend or his wife. I think it had to do with beating a woman though. Yeah. I could be wrong. Let's like we did the we did the OUTCU game and like the first 30 minutes was us like, is Travon Boykin in jail? I don't want to like get that <laughs> wrong. And then we're like, oh, he's been to jail multiple times. He's now currently serving time.
1: <laughs> he faces kidnapping chart. Okay, so this is from February twenty eighth. What? of 2019 this is hashtag Florida stories
0: because this is in Florida right he's from
1: Florida no but I'm pretty sure it happened in Edmond because I remember so Roy Finch was having yeah yeah no I remember he was having a breakout year in the CFL he was mostly a special teams guy but yeah so he was this CFL special teams player of the year in 2017 and then so I went to a treatment program after being arrested in Edmond last year, so this is in 2018. Also, shout out to the Oklahomans, the Oklahomans article, so or do we not shout them out on the station? Whatever. Oh, we can shout out them. Shout out them. Grr. Yeah. Yeah, okay, so Finch was arrested again, though, this month, so February 2019, after a girlfriend accused him of punching her two or three times and refusing to let her leave. So then he was then charged with Kidnapping and domestic abuse. Then he was charged with battery upon a police officer, resisting arrest, and possession of marijuana. And then the kidnapping charge hit. So,
0: oh, so I imagine I I, I thought kidnapping was allowed. Is probably what Roy Finch said to
1: his lawyer. Ah, I see.
0: He didn't read the playbook.
1: So I imagine the kidnapping charge was for holding the girl, like not allowing the girlfriend to leave. Yeah the room. So there you have it. God, this defense was fun, man. Ron Ron, L. Lewis.
0: Oh yeah. We already like jizzed about Ron L Lewis in the, in the, um, what was it? The uh, Florida state game that I watched with my dad. Like he's, he's it's so, good. he's so good. He's so talented. Kind of in the same vein with Roy Finch and that he just, the, the playbook it's, I, it's what it seems like to me. Unless Gabe has told a similar story.
1: Well, I think that for him it's a struggle because Craig me if I'm wrong. I'm pretty sure he played seven-on-seven football in high he played, school. He
0: played eight-man football. In eight-man football.
1: There you go. Yeah, because yeah. it was so small. So I imagine that might be tough just to get acclimated oh, yeah. after, like, you know, everything you've done has been for eight-man football. But I think that's why he was so gifted on kick coverage, because it's as simple as get down there and just knock the shit out of somebody.
0: Yeah, if you just gave so, him a simple, like, a simple, like, mission, he'd go do it, and he'd kick ass at it.
1: And every time he gets
0: – he's such a sure-handed tackler, and then he brings, the, he brings the pain. So it's like one of those things. Like that's the next step for an Alex Grinch defense is obviously you need to maintain that consistency, but at some point you need to be like a bunch of badasses out there. You can't just be like, well, it's all about effort and, and like energy. It's like, okay, at some point you need to remember that you're OU and that you're just better than everybody that you're playing and just yeah. act like it.
1: At be some the point, baddest motherfucker you- on, the, on the field, which Ron L. Lewis was. I just that defense I imagine the trash talk was pretty great from that defense too. You had Frank, Travis, Ronnell. Like who's gonna blow up to any one of those guys and like like you're gonna talk but but those guys can back it up? Austin Box,
0: Rest in peace. Colvin. What could have been? Yeah. Yeah, there's so much NFL talent on this deep. I mean, Quentin Carter played in the league for about four or five years.
1: Yeah, he had a he with the uh, Broncos for a while. Yeah. I, I remember he was very easy to spot as he was the only man on that defense with dreads. <laughs> and seriously, so they, it was a lot of fun because uh, Ryan bros tied, with wow, another fumble, doing his best Mark Bradley impression. Bro, oh god.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yikes. Oh man, right, Nebraska I comes
1: d- up with this one, right? No, okay.
0: I would have to lose a bet to like do a Let's Watch of the 2005 Orange Bowl.
1: <laughs> and thankfully, that was that period of time that I was so young that I like I remember the score. I remember being shocked. I don't remember the game. I've never gone back to watch it. And similar to you, I don't want to.
0: You know, to me, it, it's on a much lower level of like whenever you're watching like movies or you're reading a story about um, a child that grew up in some war-torn country or like in the middle of World War II. And it's basically like, you know, a 10 year old is seeing like the, the blitz, you know, from a 10 year old's perspective and they had to grow up in that, you know, and like they became adults in in a lot of ways than most 10 year olds. I had to become an adult at 14 and just 14 or 15 (laughs) years old and just just take that, you know, on the chin and just, Oh God, it was so, it was So so hard. Jason White didn't deserve to go out like that. Mark Clayton. Didn't deserve to go out like that, Adrian. Adrian Peterson. Adrian Peterson
1: should never be associated with a game like that. No, so lopsided in that direction. God,
0: can Bob Stoops, man? Yeah.
1: Cameron Kinney, though, he was up and down, man.
0: Cameron Kinney could not catch. No, in two thousand nine, and then he became a very sure-handed uh, possession, possession guy. guy. Yeah, even though his be- biggest play as a Sooner was the. Uh, catch and run against oklahoma state a week before this
1: <laughs> which i was at that game in stillwater that was that was a fun game sorry the uh the landry jones just <laughs> scrambling and sliding was that the game that uh it was like a big long pass to james hannah and, and then they then, re- and then osu
0: returns the next kickoff for a touchdown yeah, yeah i remember tied. that one too yeah it's tied at 41, and then, like, two plays later, they throw to Cameron Kenny, and he runs 70 yards.
1: Yeah, that was my first ever trip to Stillwater, and uh, that was fun because it's just uh, the, the stadium was, like, it emptied, basically, like, started the process of emptying after the James Hanna touchdown, yeah. and then immediately the kickoff, everyone, like, is scrambling back to their seats, and then Cameron Kenny sends them home officially.
0: So, there's such children.
1: DeMarco Murray. Oh, my gosh. Doing fun stuff. Just trucking.
0: Running backs look cool when they when they've got a single digit number. It's just it looks so cool.
1: Running backs and defensive linemen put a single digit. Although if you're going to be a defensive lineman with a single digit number, you better be uh, a badass. So they
0: just showed Kevin Wilson. Let us let, talk about Kevin Wilson for a second. Kevin Wilson's going to be remembered like in and ter- like the offensive coordinator anals and the annals <laughs>
1: The annals,
0: <laughs> the annals of offensive oh, oh, coordinator history. Oh, it's Carl Oh no! Oh yikes! Yeah. Stop hiring your family coach. Quit it! St- stop doing it. Lincoln that Riley. Was... Lincoln Riley said no to Garrett I was Lincoln's very got happy a brain. Happened. Yeah. Yes. Um. So Kevin Wilson obviously going to be remembered for the 2008 offense, the no huddle scheme. Um. And there is something to be said because you know you could kind of have the argument of well. All that was all Sam Bradford and that offensive line, and having Demarco and Chris Brown in the backfield, and a slew of great receivers and Jermaine Gresham. It's like, well, it takes a great coach to basically. I, okay, I'm not going to do what I'm used to. I'm going All-time to. All time flop
1: by Donald right there.
0: I'm going to coach according to my talent. So Kevin Wilson deserves some credit for that. He deserves a lot of credit for that. The problem I have with Kevin Wilson is basically from the Orange Bowl on, he decided I'll run the no huddle when I feel like it. They huddled, yeah. like, they huddled half the time in the Orange Bowl. And I, to this day, I have no idea why. I'll never forget during the Orange Bowl, they were, like, the commentators were like, just praising OU's offense for being so quick. And they're like, we're going to have, like, in addition to the game clock, we're going to have like, a timer for OU's offense. And the whole point of it was to like, watch them snap it at like, four or five seconds. And they would do it, and it would just keep going and going and going. It would get into the teens, into the 20s. And it's like OU's just meercating the shit out of their offense. It's like, okay, what are we doing? And so, whenever I think of Kevin Wilson, I think of that, and I think of the 2010 A&M game against Von Miller, where there's like, yeah, let's just it. let's
1: just run it up the middle. So yeah, no, I was about to say my lasting impression of Kevin Wilson is you're going to run up the middle on first down, and that A&M game, and 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 the 2008 national championship Ooh. game. Ooh. I understand that Demarco Murray's hurt. Big loss. Price making just
0: kicking ass. Go ahead. I'm sorry.
1: No, you're good. Sorry. I'm just just getting worked up. This is something that if (laughs) if you listen to me long enough, you're going to hear this because I've been asking this question for 11 years now. You have the best quarterback in college football. You have the best tight end at that time in college football in Jermaine Gresham. You have three possessions on the goal line and not once did you let Sam Bradford known. For his touch and accuracy, attempt to throw a fade to Jermaine Gresham. It didn't happen once. You lined your ass up with your backup running back and said, "Hey, this Floyd defense is really good, but I bet if we run it up the middle one more time, we'll get them this time."
0: Yeah, if we run it right at them, let's run it at their <laughs> strength. That's a great idea.
1: So yeah, Kevin Wilson for me <laughs> will eternally be run it up the middle guy. Now which having is unfortunate because I, I mean he did his offense did set records. Yeah.
0: <laughs> like, now having said all that. The second, this second half of this game, Kevin Wilson calls a hell of a game. Calls a hell yes. of a half. And this is, his, this is his last game before he goes and takes the Indiana head coaching job because Hypo coaches the Fiesta Bowl.
1: I, I think that'll ultimately be Kevin Wilson's, um, and maybe not his legacy, but I think what it should be remembered as is he was a great, great offensive coordinator at times when he just turned his brain off, didn't overthink it, and just said, like you said, good coaches, when they have great players, they find them. And yeah. when he just turned his brain off and was like, "Yeah, we're just gonna let this team go be what this team should be," he was just excellent. And uh, he he kind of changed, like you said, changed the face of Oklahoma football with uh, making it okay to have a, a no huddle because it wasn't really an air raid at that point. But I think it did r- remind everyone that hey, you know that national championship that uh, you want you want it with a spread air raid type system. Make it okay again, coming off the Adrian Peterson years to uh spread things oh
0: we gotta pick
1: we We gotta gotta pick pick. and that one i mean i guess it's landry's fault for it getting tipped but did ryan take the ball oh yeah do they review this yes i believe they did i i remember there being a long time out after this yeah well it's a
0: big 12 game rest assured there's going to be a 27 minute review and it's gonna be Maybe it was
1: just the refs getting together and couldn't decide yeah here we go and then this is the, the birth of pointing at the screen at Jerry World. Hey. Yeah. It's right just, there. It, just yes, look we, up.
0: S- we see the thing. I wish.
1: <laughs> there should be certain stadiums where the ruling on the field rule, like the ref should be able to just look at. It was a bad pass anyway. Oh, yeah. Threw it, terrible he threw, pass. He threw it behind Ryan. The ref should just be able to look up at the screen make their call on the field and then review it.
0: Let's see. Let's see. Let's see. Let's see.
1: Oh Yeah. I, I don't I, – I,
0: is his ass down, or is this a play where I'm trying to remember like that I get mad that they don't overturn this? Nah,
1: yeah, his knee was down.
0: His knee was down. That was a good play by Ryan, though.
1: At least he was trying. Oh, wait, did they give the ball back to
0: OU? Oh, I guess they – oh, yeah, OU gets the ball back. Oh, uh, they – or do they snap it right before? This is what great, the hell, what work,
1: the, great work what, by the camera crew here. I know
0: What the hell is going on? This game's already happened and I'm pissed off.
1: <laughs> oh,
0: yeah.
1: We're annoyed. Br- I'm surprised. Bo's really keeping it together, man. Bo was a known yeller.
0: Down as yeah. he was ah. it,
1: yeah. <laughs> but, but but Bo's it. really holding together. I'm proud of Bo. He turned a new leaf. Maybe for the worse, but he turned a new leaf. Has he won anything
0: of note at Youngstown State? I, didn't they win the
1: national championship?
0: Yeah, I feel like Youngstown State always wins their national championship. Is
1: he at LSU now, though? Did he make that move this offseason to LSU?
0: Um, No. I Bo came Back to from LSU. L- yeah, because he came from LSU to OU, right? Correct, yeah. Yeah. No, 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 no. Bo Pelini was – no, he was their defensive coordinator in 2007, and then he became Nebraska's head coach in 2008.
1: Yeah, 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 yeah. And now he's, yeah, now he's back. He's back. He replaced Aranda.
0: Yeah, because that was always another reason why I would bitch about Mike Stoops because Mike didn't coach in the Sugar Bowl in the national championship. But then it seemed like after that year, pretty much every single big-time coordinator coaching in their final season before they became a head coach, when they've already accepted the job, they finish the job that they have and then go take the head coaching job. It's like, dude, you're not going to get recruits in december at arizona you're not going to get them regardless so you might as well just finish the
1: job but he was like yeah wow he had a pretty terrible career at youngstown state actually oh it was bad so he went five and six his first year so i guess he's taken over a rebuilding program in 2016 they were 12 and 4 and lost in the fcs title game but then over the next three seasons they were six and five four and seven and six and six so yeah, he was only thirty three and twenty eight, but now he's uh, he's back at LSU to replace Aranda. So we'll see how that goes. Mm. I, this LSU team. So I saw a lot of stuff coming in. Sorry to, to make OU fans upset with yeah LSU Gurr, not a great Peach Bowl, but uh, I don't really, I don't
0: think people care. I think people are yeah. more angry about the O three Sugar Bowl, about for LSU than this Peach Bowl.
1: Yeah, I just so I saw a lot of stuff coming in of how Ed Orgeron built the new juggernaut or whatever. And this is the most like sensationalism i like, this was an all time great college football team this year's LSU team. But I feel like to be labeled a juggernaut, you have to do what Nick Saban has done, which is lose your coordinators, replace them and still perform at that elite level. Oh, and then also
0: lose, like, five-star first-round draft picks every single year and then replace them with five-star future first-round draft picks.
1: Yeah, and it's like – and Clemson has done that. They have had their coordinators hang around until now. I believe – didn't their OC take a job this year? Maybe not. But Um, –
0: LSU's oh, Joe Brady went to the Panthers well but the,
1: I, I'm talking Clemson for a oh, second. Clemson because oh, Clemson they've replaced huge players but they haven't had the coaching turnover that's been one of the more remarkable things is the Clemson staff has really stayed together it's but innables. I think they're yeah, yeah I think their OC may have gone this year but LSU like again this is an all-time great LSU team but until Orgeron proves a that it just wasn't a fluke basically that he had one great year but until he can show that he replaces Brady and Aranda and all that stuff, I, I'm not ready to call them a juggernaut. Now, if they go out these next two or three years and are incredible, sure, absolutely. But I, I just it's hard to label them a juggernaut after one excellent season.
0: Toby Rowland was just in the background on the sideline. This is still Bob Berry Sr. No, I mean, LSU, they're not going to be good next year just because they're not going to have a Joe Burrow under center. And that's it. Yeah. They caught lightning in a bottle and credit to them, like, you know, Orgeron went outside of himself and made necessary hires because, okay, this is my philosophy, but that's not necessarily going to work with this team. So let me go outside of myself and hire the best guys and some up and comers. That takes a great coach. So he did a fantastic job, but the staying power and to become a dynasty. Yeah, you're right. Like they're not Bama yet, but time will tell. But they're not gonna be good next year. They lost too damn much. They're not gonna have a, a good quarterback.
1: Yeah. And I I, I think Aranda I think Aranda's gonna be really good at Baylor. Now, again, making the jump from coordinator to head coach, kind of a wild card. It's hard to really tell until you see it. But I just it's hard for me to believe that you were that good as a defensive coordinator, because I've thought he's been one of the best coordinators in the country for yeah, as long as he's been there. And yeah. I, I think Baylor made an incredible hire, which is just astonishing considering they were in the coaching market so late in the game. But for another time, for another podcast, now we have Travis Lewis doing my favorite thing. Watching Travis Lewis command that defense was just fun. It Was it that Florida State game the next year that he still was playing in a boot basically? And yeah, he, he, was br- only he, out th- he was only out there to put the defense in position every
0: pretty time. Pretty much because he just hobbled around the field the whole time.
1: Because he, cause he, what, broke his foot during the Oklahoma drill on, like, the first day of fall practice because they rolled out the Oklahoma drill for the ESPN cameras doing a special on him.
0: Yeah, and he didn't play the first game against Tulsa. And then it was like, oh, he's not going to play, he's not going to play, and then the game starts and he's on the field.
1: Yeah. Yep, yep, yep.
0: And now we got Rex, Rex Burkhead. <laughs> it's the eye S- back. Sexy Rex-y. Under, the, under in the
1: shotgun.
0: Jonathan Sixth Nelson, direction. fast as hell.
1: looks like OU just picked up a commit on the Twitter machine.
0: who who they get? They Lincoln... picked up
1: Jordan, Jordan Mukes. Jordan 2021 Mukes, 2021 defensive back from Choctaw, safety from Choctaw. So shout out to a friend of the franchise, Bob Prisbillo, for being on top of that. Uh, Mukes just tweeted out two minutes ago, and per Bob Prisbello, um, one of the eyeballs from last week.
0: Yeah, Mukes. I don't know. I don't. I'm not a recruiting savant. Let me. Sam. You. Do you want to know his uh, other high offers? And this is a problem. North Texas, SMU, Southern Miss, Texas Tech, Oklahoma State, Tulsa. Yeah, I'll. I'll wait. I'll wait to get excited. Yeah. And really, I I'll wait. I'll you. wait. What? I'll. I'll wait to get excited for any recruit because I don't know if we're gonna have football this year.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But the other side of that is, on one hand, I totally agree with you, but um, by all measurements, it seems that uh, this defensive staff in the last recruiting cycle made really good evaluations. They were in on Watts and Manning Yes, um, very, yes. very early, you know, guys like that. And with Grinch being the safeties coach and stuff like that, um, I'll go ahead and give him the benefit of the doubt. Being an Oklahoma guy, sometimes those Oklahoma guys – other teams wait for Oklahoma to say, hey, does Oklahoma think they're – it's kind of a, a weird waiting game as Oklahoma's doing that with some of the other – not necessarily that that's how it plays out, but uh, yeah. it feels like everyone's kind of waiting on each other to be like, is this legit or not? Yeah, but, I mean, the
0: biggest the biggest example I can think of with that would be like Creed Humphrey. I think he was kind of committed to A&M. Yeah. OU yeah. really pushed hard late, and then Alabama gave him an offer. because yeah. you know Because they, they saw it too, so – I mean, yeah, it's great to get the top three, five players in the state. Like, you got to do that. Whether or not they – it doesn't guarantee that they're going to be anything, though. So, I mean, it's just – it's just just a talent gap. It's just the reality.
1: I think the most important thing is the momentum and the perception of during this off time, you know, OU kind of has built their recruiting calendar around the spring game. So, for there to be no spring game – and owe you to still be because there were what three eyeballs out, and then now so this is two eyeballs left after this. And oh, Why that's the wide f- open. open, yeah, nobody around, shocking. But uh, st- I just think it's good, good for the momentum of recruiting to still keep that going, even if it is an in state guy who may or may not do much. Oh, look at those ears of corn, lovely corn's
0: not good for your digestive system,
1: yeah. But I love it, it's good though, I love yeah. it so much. I kind of have Again, the, people uh, out there
0: that are short on toilet paper just buy corn on the cob, eat the corn on the cob, enjoy that, but keep the cob and I'll let yeah. you do the rest.
1: I've I've always, like general rule of thumb, if you're eating a food that can be distinguishable in your stool, probably not the best thing for your digestive tract. <laughs> but sorry for anyone uh nibbling on some dinner while watching Rex Burkhead rip apart the Oklahoma defense, but uh Rex Burkhead. Fact of life, you know? Ugh. So there you go. 17 0. There's your Bob Stoops in a big game for you. Who Affleck trivia question. Did you get that? Who has won the most games Oklahoma, Nebraska since 96? Did um, we get it are right? they, are,
0: aren't they tied going into this game? Or is it, it? I mean, obviously, Nebraska in 96, they lost the first big toll championship game against Texas. Then they won ninety six. 97. Well, then they lose it to AM? No, they lost it to Texas and Priest okay. there's okay. and They're not catching the Priest, I think, is what Brent Mosberger said. Um, 97, they won it with uh, Scott Frost at quarterback. 98, wasn't that the Texas A&M upset of Kansas State?
1: Yeah, because I remember A&M grabbed one of the early ones and then has been irrelevant since then. Yeah, Uh. well, they're, they're, that's what they are. Um, <laughs> the tale of a and football.
0: I think Nebraska won it in 99. I'm not sure. Oh, big play.
1: Oh, UConn. Oh, UConn. Do the Fiesta Bowl with you. Didn't they rank them because – yeah, they were ranked twenty fifth. Well, okay. I'm pretty sure everyone's like, okay, yeah, Connecticut, seven and four is in pole position to make the Fiesta Bowl. Yes.
0: <laughs> oh okay, let's let's on that note, let's get into the Landry Jones stat dive that I jumped into. So this is what I came across. So I looked at his wins and losses and tallied that he had played, and this is important, twenty opponents that were ranked at the time that they played Oklahoma. You know, so you're going to have, like, I think even Florida State this year, they were ranked in the top 12, 12, top 13 or something. OU destroys them. They ended up losing, like, three or four games that year. I don't think they were ranked at the end of the year. So, obviously, Florida State, when they played them, they were top 15. But they're not really a top 15 team. But at the time that Landry played an opponent, he played 20 ranked opponents at his time at OU as the starting quarterback. His record against those um, 20 teams – 13-7. 13-7. and seven. And when you just say it kind of as a blanket statement, it's like, hey, it's not bad. Like, knowing what Landry Jones' career was, hey, that's pretty good. You have more wins against ranked opponents than losses. That's good. Right. 13-7. and seven. So let's go ahead and mention three of those wins came against bad to awful Texas teams.
1: That were very overrated. Yeah, Texas.
0: like uh, 2010, 2011, 2012 wins against Texas. And I believe Texas went five and seven, eight and the four. Ball, five and seven, eight and four, and nine and four in those three years respectively. Yikes. But you know, those are three, those are three wins that you can kind of take off. One of them, another one, UConn, just what we just mentioned, <laughs> ranked got- not ranked during championship week, but then they get ranked 25th just because they're in a BCS Bowl, because they made it contractually.
1: Uh, if you look at the ticker across the bottom there, the uh, Atlanta Hawks are beating the Miami Heat. Is that the Joe Johnson Hawks? Oh uh, Here we go. Yes.
0: Here we go. Kenny
1: Stills going
0: deep. And he got it. Woo! Boom! And just God. like that, Oklahoma's back on.
1: Kenny Stills this, makes me happy, man. The right Kelly after, Swag Trio.
0: Right after right during me like dissecting Landry Jones's <laughs> like legacy he puts it on a dime he yeah it was a perfect deep ball into double coverage but just where Kenny Steals can get it so great throw by Landry but the, yes
1: this is the Landry Jones experience uh last possession you have an inexcusable interception that the ball is so far be- there's Tony Jefferson number one woo the ball is so far behind Ryan Broyles he gets tipped up and then he comes back and and does that and and that's Landry Jones, everybody, but carry on, carry on. A little, a little bit of emotion from Landry. He almost smiled.
0: He almost had a human emotion. No, so, again, 13-7 and seven against ranked opponents. Three of those wins coming against bad, two average Texas teams. Another one coming in the Fiesta Bowl this following, uh, the following game after this. They were ranked 25th. And then another one of those wins came against Tech, or Kansas in 2009. And at the time, Kansas was ranked 24th. They ended up going five and seven that year. So five, five of those thirteen wins are pretty garbage. Right. They're pretty garbage. Now, you're you're probably over there asking yourself, well, how come you just use an example like Florida State where they were ranked high when oh, OU beat the crap out of them, and then they weren't ranked later on in the year because they ended up being a bad team? Why aren't you using that? Well, it's because well. I mean, it's Florida State. It's a, it's a different opponent. They're not in conference. They obviously have talent. Texas has talent. I'm not taking anything away from it, but, I mean, those were overmatched teams. And, again, it just goes back into the, the idea I had w- during the Landry Jones era. If OU is more talented than the teams that they're playing, they're going to win. If the, their opponent has equal to a little bit better talent than them, OU is going to lose. And if you look at the the ranked opponent win loss record and then with all the caveats, it makes that much more sense. No, I'm sorry. Absolutely. I'm sorry. And it has nothing to do with the fact that he came after Sam Bradford. I hate when people say that. What the f does that have to do with anything? Yeah, college, I never college that. football fans understand the cycle. You get to you get to love a player for like a, a year or two and then they're gone and then you replace them with somebody else. Oh see, they were both tied. Both one thirty nine Okay. So, yeah, like, lose me with the you just don't like him because he wasn't Sam, whatever. I love Paul Thompson. Paul Thompson is not better than Landry Jones, but I love me some Paul Thompson.
1: Blake Bell was really fun, man. Blake Bell is not a great quarterback, at, like, by Oklahoma standards. I love Blake Bell.
0: Blake could have been a great college quarterback if his offensive coordinator coached outside himself. You know, basically what we are talking about with Ed Orgeron and Kevin Wilson. If you coached outside yourself and said, okay, Blake Bell is obviously not Landry Jones. I shouldn't run a Landry Jones offense for him.
1: Why don't we steal some of those Colin Klein plays?
0: Yeah, let's or maybe like a Tim Tebow spread option, you yeah. know, offense. Something like that. But Blake Bell is one of two quarterbacks to ever go into South Bend and beat Notre Dame. So Blake, his legacy is secure.
1: That game I almost chose that game, but That's uh, a, that's a
0: great game. I wish kinda of wish you did. That's a great game.
1: It's a ton of fun. That was my senior trip in high school was that game. So
0: Oh man, I was – that. I was a junior in college.
1: Yeah, dad and I dad and I road tripped to that one. That was a really really fun experience. Oklahoma fans came out of that game like the national championship was in uh, Pasadena that year and people were like, "Oh, do we need to make Rose Bowl reservations, all that stuff?" But uh, fun fun game. I I also almost chose the Notre Dame game the year prior <laughs> that the uh oh, No. That if, if you hadn't already chose some losses, that was the game that I immediately had said, this is the one. This OU's, is what's happening.
0: OU gets the ball first that game. They go on a cool little quick first drive. First five plays, there's boom, 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 marching down the field, and then the ball gets snapped over Landry's head, and it was over from there. We all knew it. And then James Harden got traded.
1: <laughs> yeah, that, and that was the game that the they – that was the first Stripe the Stadium game, if I remember, and it was really organically like distributed. Like the players just saw it on Twitter – and because I remember seeing it, not from the athletic department, but Tony Jefferson on Twitter was like, "Yo, this would be dope. Let's do this." And the fans really came together, and then it's been forced down our throat every year since then.
0: I know. Let's do it against Tennessee. You know, what? if you really want to piss off Tennessee, just checkerboard the stadium, red and yeah. white. Really yeah. piss them off.
1: Well, <laughs> you know, t- uh, Tennessee did that because uh, the stripe the stadium. What a tackle! Here. What a tackle oh, by Ronald Lewis. uh oh, Travis Lewis comes in. at Sir is back here. Get that spot correctly. And imagine that. You put Tony Jefferson in the game, and, oh, look at that. Tony Jefferson, great player, man. Mike Stoops ruined him. Yes. Yeah. Well, I guess Tony was on the sideline for that play, but he he was in this drive. I stand by Tony Jefferson and his remix of Black and Yellow. Did you ever experience the Tony Jefferson Boomer Sooner?
0: Boomer Sooner, Boomer Sooner.
1: Yeah, I remember that. Yeah. That was my jam freshman year of high school. It wasn't mine, let's just say. Looking back on it, did not age well, but I loved it then. I'll still pull out occasionally, though, when people pull out the Malcolm Kelly rap, which I think is a little overrated. I'll pull out Boomer Sooner by Tony Jefferson. I am reminded at the
0: bottom, the bottom ticker going on. They were talking about Auburn, and Oregon um, potentially going to play in the national championship. Of course, they ended up doing it. Auburn won the national title with cameron
1: Newton. Are you aware of the Cam Newton Know You story? Mr. Oh Cameron. yes, that if uh, OU hadn't been cheap, that Cam Newton would have been a sooner this year. Okay, this
0: is where we all ask ourselves some philosophical questions. So, you know, listeners out there, um, whenever this goes out, please feel free to hit me up on Twitter or Ryan on Twitter at Radios Ryan at Brady Does Sports um, with your opinion on this matter. I subscribe to the uh, to the age old philosophy of if you ain't cheating, you ain't trying, and when I found out that. Bob seats basically said uh thanks but uh, no thanks for not going to pay you uh go somewhere else Cam Newton. I was fucking furious. You no know one there this is a victimless crime. No one is breaking any laws. It's just stupid amateur athlete bullshit that no one no one fucking does except for OU. Now I know OU cheats. I know OU opens up bags, but they don't open up bags like everybody else, so it's not necessarily a level playing field. When I found out about that I'm just like, you chose Landry Jones over one year of Cam Newton, and nothing bad happened to Auburn. Just some negative PR in the short term, but guess what? No one's taking that ring away from him. I would have loved to have a national title in 2010.
1: What, this, this what, was, Landry down, gonna,
0: what was Landry going to
1: do? Transfer? Where? The, and this is before the era of super easy to transfer, and back then when you transferred, exactly. even, even in 2010 when you transferred, people were like, well, what's wrong with you that you don't want to stick it out? Yeah, especially, but, uh, at, especially at quarterback.
0: He wasn't a grad transfer. If yeah. he, want, he couldn't go in conference. He had to sit out two years. If he went anywhere else, he was going to have to sit out a year after already redshirting. He didn't want to. He was going yeah. to st- He was gonna stay. You could have brought in Cam Newton, pay his ass, pay his dad, or what the,
1: whatever, and then go win a national championship. But no, nah, no. Nah. What I think what this boils down to is how much are you willing to have Oklahoma pay for a national title. And my answer to that will always be, it's not my money pay as much as you can, because I don't remember Oklahoma's last national title. This is the longest gap in Oklahoma history since winning one that there's been between national championships. Exactly. But if Hey, t- Bo- but Bob saved us from the nineties, man. He hey, saved us
0: from the nineties.
1: Cause the nineties were me- awful. If you're telling me that in a theoretical world, Oklahoma could have dropped $10 million on Quinn and Nelson's door to be a part of the Kyler Murray and Baker Mayfield Oklahoma teams, I would have said do it because just like, I guess I'm having to transition out of being a fan. And uh, this this is what, the play. What a dumb throw. This is the play. I had gone to the bathroom after <laughs> so uh, a few plays ago when when nebraska kind of moved down the field a little bit i had gone to the bathroom and this is the play that uh, the pick happened so i watched this entire next drive on a tv over the concession stand not in line waiting to uh, go to the concession stand i just didn't feel like since something good happened while i was not at my seat i didn't want to go back to my seat and uh this this play really turned the game around but uh I I was seriously debating, do I want to watch the rest of this game from the concourse, making my parents mad, but if we won, who cares, you know? No, it's like like sacrifices must be made. Yeah, so I guess... uh,
0: Another stupid throw by Landry, but a stupid throw by Taylor Martinez, too. Like, he does a great job of evading pressure, keeping the play alive, and instead of just biting it or just taking it off himself, he just decides, I'm going to throw across my body.
1: That was that was Rene. Into,
0: like... Like there were six people in that area. Like three or four of them were Sooners, the rest of them were Huskers, and it's like you threw it there across your body.
1: Taylor Martinez and Trevor Knight are the same person.
0: They are the same player. They, they are. Although I, player, I would, not personal, I would actually, but... I would probably prefer Taylor Martinez. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Fair. I, th-
0: I think in a in a in a system like OU's and with the talent that OU had when Trevor Knight was at OU, yeah, I'd rather have Taylor Martinez yeah. because because he was. More likely to take off and more savvy with his legs than Trevor was. Trevor is probably straight line faster than Trevor or than Taylor Martinez. Taylor Martinez right. can move better.
1: Well, there's fast, and then there's like football speed. Yeah, and and intelligence, and this is what Baker had. Baker not fast, but he just had that slippery, hard nose. James hanna holding the football. Um, slippery, hard nose. Like he just was a football player, and this is why we'll transition to today. I am not super confident that Charleston Rambo is going to be able to make the leap forward without C.D. Lamb, because if you watch him in the open field, he doesn't run away from guys. He doesn't make people miss. I often find him time like running into contact. Like I feel like he finds contact when it doesn't need to be found. Like he just and wants so- to play to die. Like, I, I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's a field vision thing. I don't know if it's me just projecting that he's just not as good as C D Lamb onto him. And I think that he has a lot of room to grow with route running. And I, and I think that he's been a guy that has identified, like self-identified, that's something I need to improve on. Seems to be a pretty hard worker. Like, it's not against him. There's just guys that have it, have that innate ability to find space, to evade tackles. And I just don't think that Rambo has it. Theo Wiese does from what we saw in that Baylor game and in limited action so I just think that uh, a lot of people are projecting you know Rambo's gonna finally step up and be the one that's promised I don't think it's gonna happen I think you're gonna see Hazelwood and Wiese pass him this year um, guys that Spencer Rattler came in with so I think there's already a connection there and uh, Rambo's gonna be one of those guys that if he's your third wide receiver you're in incredible shape in your wide receiving room and it's not a knock on Rambo I, I just I don't see where he's going to make the jump well, in, in the open field. I just don't see it. He just doesn't have that home run.
0: Well, the thing for me is like, if he can be, he's obviously not going to, he's not going to be Hollywood. He's not going to be DD Westbrook in terms of like that dynamic of a deep threat. He's got speed to be that, but if he can be better than a Trey Franks, you know, yeah. where it's like guys with track speed, but they're not good football players. I think Rambo is a step above, like a, a step no. or two above that type of player. Like, he's got talent. He's obviously got speed. And maybe with a quarterback that's better at dissecting defenses and going through his progressions, maybe Spencer Rattler. Um, Maybe we can see better out of uh, Charleston Rambo. But, I mean, this might age like milk. Did you see him on Twitter the other day? Uh, I think he tweeted out, like, it's time for something new or, like, I really want something new. Now, he could have been very much talking about how, like, I hate being quarantined in my house. (laughs) But you know how players are. So yeah. if he ends up transferring, then um, obviously then we won't see if Charleston Rambo can be that good type of player.
1: Yeah, and let me be clear: I think he's a good football player. I just don't see him being able to take that next step. You know, what I mean, to this is kind of what for a long time OU had one dude, and then magically it would it would go from Ryan Broyles, Sterling Shepard, Sterling Shepard to Didi, Didi to Hollywood, Hollywood to CD, that and then CD and Hollywood have the unique thing: they were great together. Finally, I think that OE's recruiting is back to a place that you're going to start seeing stacked wide receiver rooms. And I just I don't know if Rambo has that it factor, mm-hmm. that open field, you know, just whatever it is that that makes you go from being a really good player to being an X factor in any given game. And we've already seen in a big game he can torch the Alabama defense over the top. And I think that is he'll he- be per- perfect in that role. And I think it will be fitting for him. I just don't think. We should be looking to him to be the next Ceedee Lamb. I think it's it's okay to skip down the list and go to Theo Weese.
0: Here's here's the play why like great play call by Kevin Wilson. No Absolutely. one saw this coming. Nobody would have seen Landry Jones naked bootleg roll out, pick up the first down. That is just incredible. The balls to call this, and then
1: Landry just perfect fake, and then just, just like oh shit, shit, ah, shit, ah. Shit. ah, ah <laughs> I think after this play, he went to the sideline and said, can I get a knee brace for my other knee too? But, uh, no,
0: to put a bow on Rambo real quick, um, you, you're basically saying that you think that he's just fast Jeffrey Mead.
1: Yes. <laughs> yes. Exactly. Oh, oh God. Who, who can catch?
0: Well, oh, he's I, got some, oh, he's got Mims coming in too. So, yeah. uh, Tur-
1: turn back the page to 2008 where you have that great wide receiver room. He's like a Manny Johnson. You Andy know, Johnson was good. He's like a Joaquin Iglesias. Joaquin
0: Glacius was good. You mean he's like Quint- – he's the Quentin Chaney of that team, but Quentin was like tall possession guy. I, I just – I don't remember those guys
1: as being like
0: – Your fourth receiver on the 08 team, like not including Jermaine Gresham at tight end, but your fourth guy was Ryan Broyles as a freshman.
1: Yeah. I, I just think that Rambo, Rambo's not going to be – looked upon, like, you've had a string of guys that are NFL dudes. D.D. Westbrook, not going to ever be the best in the league, but he's going to stick around the league for a long time. I, I don't think Rambo has that kind of ceiling. I think he's just going to go down as a really good college player, might make a special teams roster because he's fast.
0: Fair. Oh, no, you down 17-7, 3.23 to go in the second quarter. There's your there's your timestamp.
1: There's your, there's your, yeah, you're down in distance.
0: Second and five in the, on the. 13. I'm nervous because
1: Landry's oh. audibling with under five seconds on the play clock.
0: I'm just gonna, Demarco, you're gonna batter ram, and that's why Demarco <laughs> was in the league for what seemed like seven minutes, seven successful
1: minutes, and then was like, I'm out. Well, that and his uh, special teams exploits. Uh. <laughs> Do we want to save that for the yeah. second half?
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll save that rant for the second half. But everyone's probably probably already knows what's coming. But yeah, we will. We'll get into that in the second half. Um God damn it! <laughs> now third and two. Uh, obviously, obviously, OU's offense fi- is finding rhythm right now. Big play from Kenny Stills. <laughs> and for the, for the they yet. ice them with a the timeout. Yep. Bob's mad. Trent Rattery. I remember. Trent Rattery. There's a dude. He signed my Air Force Ones when I was a sophomore or a junior in high school. Oh, hell yeah. Yeah. Like, and I, somebody stole those shoes, but I, (laughs) I don't know why. I I was like, yeah, they're signed by Trent Rattery. (laughs) People (laughs) were like, huh? Who? I mean, shout out to Trent Rattery. I, I liked you. You were, you were very kind to me as a little. 16, 17 year old kid at the time. So thank you.
1: That's like uh, so a little behind the curtain here. Uh, Brady and I recently did some radio together uh, when we both kind of were filling in for Todd Lisenby um, last week, whenever this goes out. Sure seems like a sure. month ago, man. Yeah. Just it, sometime during the quarantine, Brady and I filled in on two days on the Dylan and Todd show and we were doing the uh, Oklahoma wide receiver tears And you mentioned how Curtis Fagan, you know, goes near the bottom, which is true, totally factual, but just made me sad because Curtis Fagan was the first like sooner that I like loved growing up. And my parents, they went to one of the OU, you know, just team stores around town. And uh, there was a Kale Gundy jersey, a number 12 jersey that was on sale. And so mom got it and just said for our eventual kid, you know, whatever. And, uh, so at that time, Curtis Fagan was my favorite wide receiver and he, got, he was number 12.
0: Got the deep ball against Nebraska in 2000.
1: Yeah. So, uh, and I totally lost it. I'm told during that play, cause that's oh. all, I, all I remember from that game is the field storming, like seeing that, but, uh, uh, yeah. So we went to meet the Sooners day and I, I just wanted that number 12 Jersey to get autographed by Curtis Fagan. And dad was talking to Kale Gundy and was kind of joking. He's like, now, you know, this is the guy that, you know, it's actually a Kale Gundy jersey. Do you want it signed by him? He's the actual. And I'm like, no, I want Curtis <laughs> Fagan. <laughs> I want Curtis Fagan. No. It was, it, uh, kale had a good laugh. Had some good run ins with Kale Gundy over the years. He coached my sister's softball team for a while back when my sister was young because she played with uh, his daughter. So I had a lot of Kale in my life. Hell Yeah. I
0: I shook Kale Gunny's hand at the 2000 spring game. So going into the 2000 season.
1: Nice.
0: My dad has a picture picture of it.
1: Good dude needs to use sunscreen a little bit better though.
0: Well, you know, we all do. Um, By the way, we just missed the Jimmy Stevens experience. Do you think Jimmy Stevens is like a proud alum? Do you think he like watches OU games or do you think he's on like message boards saying like, oh man, it wasn't like this when I played.
1: Do you, do you? I think that Bob Stoops had him removed from all like the alumni list, just so that like if 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 he goes to the to the office and it's like, hey, send something out to the alums, we want them to get together for the spring game or something. He's like, do make sure Jimmy Stevens is not on that list.
0: Yeah, I don't think Jimmy Stevens is going on recruiting trips to go get uh, to go land Austin Seibert or Gabe Burkich. like
1: so, no, come no. here,
0: come here, and you can have
1: success. I. I want a Gabe Burkett's jersey. Can we make that happen? Is that a thing? I, I, really, I really want to know how coaches recruit kickers. I want to
0: know what that process is like because I kind of have a general idea of how they recruit basically every other position, you know, especially the quarterback, you know, the, the cream of the crop. You kind of – we've had enough, like, indirect experience with how that goes down. I'm really curious how you go into a kicker's living room and say, come to Oklahoma and win championships. Come to Alabama. or Obviously not, not Alabama because Saban hates kickers. He does not care about that position.
1: Brady, I think we need to bury this audio because I think that there's a great feature story that you and I can tag team once football comes back, talking to Burkich, talking to, I assume, that would be Shane Beamer, although Beamer probably wasn't the one on staff that recruited him, but kind of what that recruitment process is like and just get inside the mind of what it's like to bring a kicker on. And then uh I think we should make Sam read it aloud on a show.
0: Oh yeah. Oh God. <laughs> Shout out Sam.
1: <laughs> so like I've I've debated. Oh! Big
0: player, Travis Fall! Lewis. He did it. I did it,
1: mom. I did it.
0: And you I did not, Travis Mr. Lewis, Hellu man. Jr.
1: I have my uh for those of you that can't see, I've got my fist up in the air in solidarity with the current regime.
0: Oh, yeah, Alex Grinch. Turnovers. What a good hit by DeMontre Hurst. One of my yeah. more on the least remembered but favorite cornerbacks at OU, DeMontre Hurst.
1: The corners on the team were good, man.
0: Yeah, him and Jamel Fleming.
1: Fleming, Hurst, you got Colvin on the other side, the occasional Tony Jefferson at Nickelback. Carter in the back. A lot of talent, the man. dreads. Oh, man. What happened? Who uh, happened?
0: Bob. Bob why, happened.
1: Why happened?
0: Yeah. Why is Gamora? Oh. K- there Stills. you have it.
1: Kenneth. Young Kenneth.
0: I thought for sure he scored on this play, but like he's, his knee clearly hits first before the ball crosses the goal line. I was a little... Because I, I really wanted this to be a two-touchdown Kenny Stills game.
1: Yeah. And, I I, you know, we want that, but I don't think it matters. I think, importantly, the Sooners got back on the horse, got straight back into the game, and by halftime you're like, we played – they can go into the locker room, the coaches, and be like, we played about as shitty as you can play in the first quarter. Literally doesn't matter. Just go out and do the exact same thing the rest of the game. You'll be fine. But – uh and this is kind of why I wanted to pick just the first half in general. It's just the per. It's the perfect up and down. Stoops Landry, the Landry era, the the late Stoops era. Like it's the perfect encapsulation of what Oklahoma football became. You know?
0: Oh yeah, I mean yeah. Just a lot of talent. Like a lot of like not just on paper in theory talent. I mean a lot of guys that played in the NFL and even a guy in like Tony Jefferson who. Sucks so bad his senior year, not necessarily because junior of him. Year. His junior year, excuse me. Not necessarily because of him. It's because of the scheme and the coaches. But, and playing but his the ta- position
1: in three years. But
0: the talent is still there, and then he has a great NFL career. I think at one point he was the highest paid safety in the league. Yeah.
1: Yep, yep, yep. I, I just am just super like disappointed.
0: Up, like the, the whole theme of this era of Bob Stoops OU football is just coming up short. And look, OU's not going to win a national title every single year. I get that. But the talent was there, especially on both sides of the football in 2010. Um, I mean, even in, in, I guess, a little bit on paper in 2011, 2012, so much talent on both sides of the football, but they just kept coming up short against shitty teams that had no business beating them.
1: Yeah, it just frustrating, man. It's one of those that you don't expect them to win every year. But they should have got one. That was all. Should have got one. This this game at Missouri, yeah. This season. The tor- oh the
0: Missouri returns a kick. The opening yeah, kick, opening
1: and- opening kick. Bob Stoops with like a few minutes left. Now, granite backed up into his own end, but punts and concedes the game.
0: Yeah. Just a whole bunch of well. It's just really no point. It's like, well, that that goes—that's a far cry from no excuses. Riverboat gambler Bob Stoops from what nine years ago?
1: Yeah, the uh, Bob not afraid to fake a punt or a fake a field goal. Ugh. Oh well. And that—that's that's what made that was it. Like, 2016, the 2016, the Sugar Bowl year
0: against Auburn.
1: Uh, no, the Alabama Sugar Bowl. Sorry, is that twenty fourteen?
0: Uh, twenty thirteen.
1: Thirteen it made that year made it so fun because that osu game that you, you, having to play all three quarterbacks getting should,
0: the fake really should goal. have just played two i don't they threw kendall thompson out there just because if <laughs> kendall, his name if his name was kendall williams he probably wouldn't have been at ou in the first place well
1: i was <laughs> i was team kendall thompson but in that game he like he had the flu so they like tried him that's why he
0: threw an arm punt is what you're saying
1: well, it, no. Oh, that's why he no. threw it hard, but. I just remember them like throwing him out there and being like, we don't want to go to Blake Bell, but. He's I know. Got and the then. And, and then Blake Bell's like, all right, I'll just, I guess I'll win the game even though you guys clearly hate me. He's like, don't worry about it. I'll just put together my best, you know, half of football. We're fine. Gosh. Oh, hey, the Yankees just re signed Derek Cheater.
0: You know, one of the better things about. Uh, the quarantine life is that baseball. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just I'm, I'm, just kidding. I'm just kidding, baseball fans. I would no love braves. to watch baseball right now.
1: Yeah, I'm, I'm a very casual baseball fan in that when the Braves are good, I'll watch one or two of their games during the regular season. And when they're not, I have the score notifications on my phone, and about every month I'll check the standings. End of my baseball fandom.
0: There you go. I grew up an Astros fan. Like I like the old school Astros with Bagwell, Craig Biggio, um, yep. Brad Ausmus, Craig, um, Lance Berkman.
1: You're a National League Astros fan.
0: National League Astros fan. Like when they went to the World Series against the White Sox and got swept. Like, yeah, I like that Astros team. And a part of me was kind of happy when they won the World Series a few years ago, but I didn't want to claim it because it was like, you know, everyone would have just assumed I was a bandwagon fan. I'd have to explain to them what was going on. Are you and then a now, Marlins fan now? And then now especially, I'm not – I wasn't excited because they just cheated their ass off. And, yeah. Um, no, I was never a Marlins fan because I – I was an Astros fan because Jeff Bagwell just
1: looked cool. I was like, oh, he looks cool. Was it Biggio that always had the dirty helmet? When I was a kid, I yeah. always told my family that... Biggio
0: uh, was the guy with all helmet. Like He's got a small head and a big-ass helmet.
1: Yeah, I, my mom tells me that I, I would always um, say that he needed to go to timeout because his helmet was dirty until he <laughs> cleaned his helmet off. Yeah. So, yeah. So, are you a Dolphins fan because you adopted the Heat, or is it all separate?
0: No, I, when I started playing football, I wanted to play quarterback, and I told my coach that. And he was like, okay, um, we'll go watch this guy, this guy, and Dan Marino. Okay. And it was 98, 99, so it was like right at the tail end of Dan's career. So I watched Dan Marino play, and I, I, I think I, there were like two or three weeks in a row where they were on TV at the time. Like I, I was living in Abilene, Texas, so they were on TV for like two or three weeks in a row, and I just got used to them. And then I just, start, I just kind of adopted them as my favorite team, And then about a year or two later, when I got into basketball, I was like, well, I don't like bandwagon fans. I I like to be consistent. So I'm a Dolphins fan. So I'll root for the Heat. And I watched the Heat like a few games. And I'm like, I like that Alonzo Morning guy. He's a badass. So I've just, that's, there it is. That's the story. That's why I became a Dolphins and a Miami Heat fan.
1: So you've renounced your Astros fandom. Did, Did you replace the Astros? no I just uh just
0: a, just a uh, baseball is the baseball. most fu- baseball is the most fun sport to play um like when you're playing it in high school or whatever type of league it's so fun to play like even softball is really fun to play when you're an adult and you get your buddies out there and it's like a beer league or something it's fun to play I just cannot watch it on t v like in my in my humble opinion baseball is only fun to watch if it's being played by children
1: i i I like baseball And
0: the reason why is when kids are playing it, there's more of an element of, like, them Something's, fucking up. Yeah. And it just makes it more exciting. And, like, when you're watching professionals play, it's like a routine pop fly, a routine base hit, a routine um, ground out. It's just all so methodical and scientific. It's like, uh, that's why football and basketball, to me, are exciting because there's just so much that can go wrong. Yeah. <laughs> you know? And well, I know I, I know, so much could go wrong in baseball, but it's like you have to know what you're looking for. And, you know, I, I don't know. I'm wrong. I, really, I know. It's just to me. No,
1: I, I really like professional baseball in person. Like going to a Braves game, some of the most fun times I've had, even the Oklahoma City Dodgers, though it's not the show, um, some of my favorite moments on the Thirsty Thursdays when it's like $1 or $2 beers just me and some friends go out once a month to a thirsty Thursday Dodgers game in the summer, basically sit down the first or third base line, nice day out, drink, just, you know, just that's kind of what we did to cut up carry on. Oh, there's a game going on. Cool. That's fun. I can't do like college baseball. It's a struggle. Like the in-game atmosphere is gone. And then that element, like you said of nothing really goes wrong that should on a macro level, then I'm just like I am now bored at college baseball. That's where I like draw the line of I, I can't even do it in person. But uh, yeah, well, once we'll, sports comes back, we'll have to pick out a Thirsty Thursday OKC Dodgers game and head out because it's just a lot of fun. No, no, just, no, like,
0: baseball in person is fun. Like when I'm saying like watching, I'm, I mean like in general, like I'm, watch, I'm watching gotcha. on TV. Yeah, like gotcha. watching hockey in person is fun yeah. as hell.
1: Oh yes, but very, very hard to do on the television.
0: Exactly. I'm with you there. So yeah, we're just basically like biding time until like it's not even halftime yet, right?
1: Yeah, there's like the final
0: four minutes of the second quarter have lasted for 12 years.
1: Well, this is this is what the uh, what it feels like when like Oklahoma and Texas Tech get together because there's so much scoring and and no defense. Like there's been three just Oklahoma lightning round uh, scoring drives here that stopped the clock, lots of passing, all that. Now you've got the end of half antics with timeouts and all that jazz. So
0: God, Bob just let Brett Venables walk away and then kick his ass twice. That's that's on, that's on your, that's on your legacy, man. Switzer never did that, <laughs> bud never did that.
1: Uh, but, the beard. But, he's a, but according to some people, he's a legend, you know? Well, he is a legend. He just might not be in what way number one i mean you win a national championship you're a legend
0: yeah it is what was auburn's head coach this year
1: malzone no
0: not not this current season but the year that cam newton won the national title uh was it chiswick gene chiswick is he a legend well no he's not (laughs) Stoops is better than Gene Chizik. Don't get me wrong. Bob I, I is, think, but like, it's just it's the, the, the it's, Stoops and the Stoops and Landry parallels are. Oh, they're there. Likely. Except Bob won something of note. Landry never really won anything of note. This is probably the most important game he ever won.
1: But but Brady, Landry is three and zero in all his Texas games.
0: Oh, I know, I know. It's, that's, that's true. That's true. Sam Bradford was one and two against Texas. Let's not forget. Um. Oh man, oh, no! Wow. It, it's as simple as this. Barry's obviously the king, and then Bud's like not that far behind him. You know, the forty-seven game winning streak, three national championships, um, all those big six, big seven championships that he won in a row. Like it goes without saying, it, it's a close one to two, you know. And then it's a significant drop to number three at Bob, but it's still that significant drop is higher than, you know, I would probably say a Mac Brown at Texas. Yeah, You know, in terms of Texas legacy, it, it's higher than, you know, like a lot of Bob's contemporaries that were at his level or a little bit better, you know, like Pete Carroll, better than Bob, uh, Urban Meyer, better than Bob, Nick Saban, clearly better than Bob. Um,
1: who else? That's probably about it, right? Yeah. Is that it? Cause, cause really the, the people that won national titles while Bob was in power Trestle at Ohio State. I, I, guess, I think that's an interesting conversation to have.
0: I, I would pick Bob over Trestle because Trestle is basically Bob on steroids. Just ultra conservative. Ultra yeah. conservative. Bob at least yeah. had the – he had a, a hard-on for the air raid. So he yeah. always had that in
1: his back pocket. So then you've got uh, – because uh, then you just had the, the weird, you know, Chiswick won a title – during this time, it's, it was what Urban Meyer and and Saban, Jimbo category. Fisher, yeah Jimbo, which no Jimbo's not a no, not a Bob level. Um, so. early
0: two thousands. Um, who was Miami's head coach? Oh gosh, what was his name?
1: Wasn't wasn't Golden? Was it? No, no,
0: no, no. no. When no. they when they won the title in two thousand one, and then should have won it in two thousand two, but the Big Twelve officials thought. There was pass interference. Imagine that. The Big 12 fucked something
1: up. Shock. I'm shocked. <laughs> Can you see the shock on my face? I saw it. I seen it. We got six seconds left of this
0: fucking Larry long Coker. Larry Coker. God damn. I, I, I wanted to say Dave Campo. <laughs> it's like it's, I knew it was something was see, And yeah, then you Larry, had...
1: Larry Coker.
0: And then you had Trestle... And then Nick Saban, 03. yeah. Pete Carroll, oh four. Matt Brown, oh five. Um, Urban Meyer, oh six. Les miles. Okay. Less miles. Bob is better than less miles. Yeah.
1: I, I think I, Bob's actually, better than less because he did it for longer. Actually,
0: at a higher here, level, here's an argument. If I'm going to say less miles is a better coach than Bob Stoops, here's my argument. Well, Les won a title in 07 um he went to another champion he went to another national just like bob went to multiple national championships as well also less miles with less talent beat bob stoops twice at osu so he he has that and that means that that means something yeah so i i don't know i
1: might draw the and line that was, at that, Les was miles. Bob, that was bob at his height too that's bob when he gave a shit not not just you know into the into the era bob but he, here's the question that i'm interested in having what is lincoln riley gonna have to do to pass bob and not just be a well you inherited things while like they weren't as good as they could be but they were pretty good like lincoln didn't have to the pull, most is what you mean yeah lincoln didn't have to pull oklahoma out of the john blake you know what i mean But so, what is Lincoln gonna have to do to surpass Bob in third? Is he? Is it gonna take him staying twenty years, or is it just national titles?
0: Really, I think to a casual, casual OU fan, if he just wins, if he's here for eight to ten years and he wins one title, I think casual OU fans will go, okay, he's he's at the same level as Bob, but maybe a little bit lower because he wasn't here as long and he didn't win as many games because he because of the longevity. But if he's here for eight to ten years and wins a title, I'm sorry. I find that better than Bob because yeah, Bob inherited a bad program, but it was a bad program with fucking talent out the yin yang. And it just it just came down to guys with brains, which Bob has a brain. He's a smart coach. And he like his staff was incredible those first two years. And they put a bunch of guys who were out of position here and there into the correct position. Um, and for those out there listening, halftime just started. Um, so he deserves a lot of credit for that. But the talent was still there. What Lincoln has had to inherit, all the offensive talent, and then Lincoln is a great recruiter in his own right, but the hole that was dug in recruiting for from this year on, 2010 on, that Affected the defense, and not only just affected OU, but it destroyed the helped destroy the Big 12's reputation so much so that defensive players don't even want to fucking come here, yeah, ever. Like Texas has problems bringing in kids because, like, I don't want to go to the Big 12 and ruin my potential NFL career. And a lot of that goes down to Bob. So what Lincoln is inheriting, basically, if he wins a title, that means he has dug himself and the program out of the hole that lazy recruiting dug for a decade got the necessary defensive talent in place, and also kept the offensive talent steady to, a, to an extent. And it's elite. He, well, does, all, he does all that and wins the title. I'm sorry, that, that to me is more impressive.
1: I, I think winning in today's college football is more impressive than it was in 2000. And it's just a matter of players. It, the, it's the dissolve of you go to a blue blood if you're worth a damn. And if not, you just hope to make a mark somewhere else. Now, great players can go anywhere. Like, it's wild card just because of NFL, playing time, things like that. So many other things than just growing up of when I grew up, there were only six or seven games a day on TV. So Oklahoma, USC, Ohio State, Alabama, they got center stage. And just the spread of players across the country, I, I think it's harder to win a national title now than it was in 2000. Oh yeah, but, I mean, I mean, a lot of it is just kind of stigma and
0: reputation. And, no, like, and Lincoln like,
1: did did get the benefit of when he came in, he was able to overhaul the offensive recruiting, so he he doesn't have to dig himself out of the hole on both sides of the football all at once. But he also may we we may never see an offense as good as the. 2017 Baker Mayfield offense or the 2018 Kyler Murray offense and Lincoln had to waste both of those offenses on historically bad defense and this
0: and this was all perfectly and easily predicted by about everybody that was paying attention in 2016 and then 2017 especially it was like if Kyler Murray is half as good as Baker Mayfield that means he's probably going to be good enough to take OU to the Big 12 championship at least and then if they get into the playoff we know we're not going to win so in essence before it ever happened, we all knew this program is going to waste two generational quarterbacks because the defense just sucks.
1: Yep. And they did. And,
0: yeah. it's, and there's nothing you can really say about it. It's, it's, it is what it is. And it's not yeah. because of any individual player. It's not because of the collection of player. It's like, oh, you got what they got. That's all on coaching. Coaching is what brings them there.
1: Yeah, you just got to – and I get, to a certain extent, it's hard to do anything for 10 years, 15 years, and still have that same competitive fire in year 15 as you did in year one. But that's the name of the game in recruiting, and you have to recognize that maybe you don't have that fire. But if you go out and you find a young coordinator, yeah, you may only have them for two or three years, but they'll have that fire. That's what he did with Lincoln yeah that's what finally reset it and thank uh, thank
0: you mike leach thank you so much thank you
1: and uh it it just uh i
0: i've always wondered if mike leach wanted lincoln to go to ou because he likes ou which he does or if he simply didn't want lincoln to end up at texas tech because mike doesn't want texas tech to have any type of success (laughs) I,
1: (laughs) i i think that uh tony jefferson in there wreaking havoc i think that uh uh, Mike Leach, equal parts uh, not wanting. I don't think he wanted him to go to Houston just because of the uh, what is it? Oh gosh, I'm blanking on the the laws in Texas that allow them to uh, not pay out Leach's contract that he's still fighting. Oh yeah, um,
0: that's bullshit. Good yeah. job, Texas Tech. Way to go, but, uh,
1: Texas Tech. First, you first you ruin the conference, and then you send the only good part of ruining the conference, which is just having Mike Leach around. Send him out the door.
0: Austin Box, man. What
1: a Maybe, yeah. Uh, is Mike Leach's sleeper cell in the SEC now? <laughs> <laughs> He's going to tear it down from within. That's why he took the Mississippi State job. Hey,
0: hey, that's what happened in the Big 12 now. This is going to be a 10-year process, so rest assured that in 10 years, the SEC is going to be a joke.
1: <laughs> well, <laughs> They're okay. going to be joke. It's going to have nothing to do with the fact that they can't get the wiring on robot saving right. <laughs> How many many more years do you think Saban has? I think he's got two years left.
0: And I think he hangs it up. I think he wants to win one more national title.
1: Yeah, I I think it's uh, as long as he – as long as 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 it takes for him to win one more.
0: There's price making. Unfortunately,
1: I think Dabo goes straight to Alabama. We got a
0: fumble. Dabo, so we need to Alabama, you say?
1: Yes, I think piss. that's
0: a thing. Everybody would be pissed off because <laughs> they'd be like, oh, my God, Nick Saban, he's retired. Yes, thank God we've got a chance. That was when he got hired. Oh, oh, damn. SEC. Well, it,
1: <laughs> at least it would eliminate Clemson. So it's like you only got to – because now you basically have to, like, upset Clemson or Alabama and then beat the other one.
0: And then beat the other one, yeah.
1: Yeah, so – Oh,
0: and then Ohio State's just pulling in five stars during a fucking pandemic. <laughs> oh, and then Trey oh, Sermon's yeah. transferring there
1: yeah <laughs> it's like the fuck that is that hey, gonna be i was gonna say oh you maybe got caleb williams we don't know but uh oh well <laughs> tune into his blog to find out no shit um i i actually think that bob stoops's legacy on college football will ultimately be elite coach identifies replacement and then instead of leaving three or four years too late, like the Bowdens and Paternos of the world.
0: Or if you get ousted because of sanctions or you get in trouble because you're, you get old and so far removed from your player generationally wise that they start breaking laws. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think that Stoops' legacy will be, he made it cool and sexy to make the good decision, leave maybe a year or two before you're ready, but to leave the program in good shape in the hands of a coach that is pretty good. You think is pretty good and that way. They don't have to rebuild a program. They can just step right in. It's a smooth transition. They can kind of keep the infrastructure that you've set up that it's requ- required to run a smooth program. You know? Yeah. I, I think that'll be Stoops' legacy. I, I just don't know if Saban has it in him to do that
0: to stop
1: <laughs> yeah just to stop because i don't i don't he's, see Saban he's a shark a if, if he stops swimming he's gonna die i don't see Saban as a guy that's looking for a protege because he still is doing it himself you know what i mean yeah he's
0: he's at hands, the highest level he's hands on he has so. his hands on everything okay looks like oh he's about to t- they gonna tie take the demarco is- murray Okay. And this
1: is the foreshadowing of what's to come for the rest of the Landry era, which is getting get the red zone.
0: Short yardage. Here comes the Endosh.
1: <laughs> uh, you get in the red zone, and the field shrinks, and Landry's not the answer anymore.
0: Hard to disagree with that one, but uh, DeMarco just had a he just had a catch so that it reminded me. So let's talk about DeMarco Murray 07 and special. First, teams.
1: First, can we appreciate Jimmy Stevens? Why are all of the headshots in like our Black camera's and white, terrible. Yeah, yeah, it's like yeah,
0: it, it's like have they passed away? <laughs>
1: yeah, I was just like, just like, it looks like an episode Jim, of Big Brother when after they get eliminated, they like,
0: gray out their face. Yeah, in memoriam, Jimmy <laughs> Stevens.
1: <laughs> uh, oh, did he oh, miss that? Barely, yeah, missed it. He yep. missed a
0: twenty-four yarder
1: with the weird. You can't wear that face mask and not be the best kicker in the country. Not allowed. Okay, Demarco Murray. Let's let's have fun
0: yeah so 07 DeMarco Murray now if you just type in on YouTube like DeMarco Murray highlight video you're gonna see like a mixtape of basically him having all these cool touchdown runs and those highlight how good he he used to be as a young player before he got hurt um but just pick some random game pick the 2007 OU Baylor game Baylor was awful OU wins the game in Norman but just watch like, all these random plays where he's not scoring a touchdown. So basically plays that aren't going to be on a highlight tape. But he picks up like six, seven yards. God, he was so quick. He could cut on – just turn on a dime. He'd cut, move up field. He was so good. And then Bob had the great idea to put this motherfucker on special teams. And unfortunately, like I kind of get it in this instance because OU was desperate. Um, it was in Lubbock. OU was going to lose the game at Texas Tech. They, got, they scored late, had a chance to, I think, win the game if they got the ball back on the onside kick. So Bob, I guess, decides I'm going to put all my best athletes on the field. DeMarco goes out there and shreds his knee in half, out for the rest of the year. Comes back in 2008, and first five to six games, he's pretty slow. Like It's slow going in terms of his production. Um, I think it all turned after the Texas game. Texas game, he was awful. He had a fumble, and he only rushed for like six yards. But then Bob is still putting this motherfucker on kick return. Why are you putting your most versatile, important player on offense who has an injury history and not just some weird, like, fluky one? His knee was shredded in half. Let's put him on special teams. Oh, guess what happens? Big 12 championship, he, his hamstring explodes on a kickoff return and then you don't have your best most versatile player in the national championship and guess what florida got theirs he was also hurt uh percy harving and then um he plays in the the national title game and and is the difference yeah i I don't get it i don't get it i don't get it i don't get why cd lamb is returning punts last year like so i have a little bit of a question for lincoln riley too it's like If you want someone to just catch the ball, get one of these badass five-stars you recruited to just catch the ball. That's what they do.
1: Don't put your star player on special teams. It's such a waste. been a great way to get them some playing time and kind of placate them while you know that Hurts is not really spreading the ball around. He's taking taking catches away from our receivers with his tuck-and-run carries. He's taking touches away from running backs. But, uh, yeah, I think that unfortunate that we are now giving away our – our fall football article plan of uh, talking to Shane Beamer and Gabe Burgage about the kicker recruiting process and then asking DeMarco Murray if there's any tension between him and the special teams coaches on staff.
0: Lincoln Riley cannot pick kickers. <laughs> he, he can do anything else, but he cannot pick kickers. Man, OU's, can, defensive, OU's defensive line is just kicking Nebraska's ass right now.
1: Yeah, Martinez's arm looks not dead. great there. It's dead. dead. But can we just talk about how one um, night out at the bar may have given Oklahoma their, their best kicker ever? Uh, Garrett Hartley? Tim Lasher? Well... Uwe Von Shaman? Their best kicker recently. I, I think Burkich has a chance to be better than Hartley was. Well, let's remember, uh, Garrett Hartley
0: as a sophomore... Amazing. I think he missed one field goal. And then his junior and senior year, he kind of, like, dipped. Like, he just wasn't consistent anymore. So, hopefully that doesn't happen to Gay Berkic. But, well, yeah, Gay Berkic. That's been the uh, tale of the badass. recently. Honeycutt? Berkic? You, you even go back to Berkitch. Trey DiCarlo. Trey DiCarlo was a Lou Groza Award semifinalist mm-hmm. in 2003. And in 2004, he sucked so bad that uh, Bob had to burn Garrett Hartley's red shirt <laughs> late in the year. <laughs>
1: i'm out there so hopefully gabe gabe's looking good he's been uh doing backflips and kicking just missiles on twitter or tiktok i guess
0: oh peak off season just wait we're gonna get tired of doing these let's watch podcasts and we're gonna start doing like we're gonna rank OU defensive linemen since 1999 on the inside ou podcast welcome to june fun with kickers hey when do you think we're going to know if we're going to have football or not when do you think that decision gets made
1: let's see it's gonna have to be june at the earliest i think because you're gonna have to have the nba cancel totally scrap if the nba plays at all we will have football so I think you're going to you're gonna have to have the NBA scrap. I don't think the NBA will scrap until June. So I think it'll be late July when they can't actually get together for camp. Because how long is fall camp usually? Four to five weeks? Yeah. So it's ba- it's I think that just... what – Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. I, I think what they'll end up doing is saying basically you're going to have the college version of OTAs to make up for spring practice. Then we'll have fall camp. So you're, so end of August, go back to the beginning of August for fall camp. So mid-July, I think, is when – early to mid-July is when teams would report to make up for the lost time. That's the earliest I think they're going to scrap anything because there's no reason to not just push back the decision. Make your contingency plans, but there's no reason to make the decision until then. It's, it's so hard to model something that we haven't had happen in the modern world. So, so we, we say all this
0: and this this podcast will probably drop three to four weeks from the time that we're recording it. Um for an extra time stamp. Today the NCAA announced that they're going to grant an extra year of eligibility for the spring athletes, which is great for Patty Gasso because she's gonna
1: have a stacked ass team. Really good uh, for the baseball team too.
0: Really good for the baseball team as well. Um so that's when we're recording this. So three or four weeks from now, this episode will drop. Um and who knows, hopefully some, we get some good news on the um, COVID-19 front uh, domestically and, a, and, of course, globally. Maybe something drastically changes and all that goes out the window. But if it doesn't, like, yeah, the NBA scrapping their season. Here's that play with Ryan Broyles real quick. Oh, yes. Yeah, just perfect throw. Ryan just couldn't keep his feet. Good play by Ryan Broyles. Good, good throw on by that. Landry. Um, but, yeah, um, if it's June – Early July, yeah, the, the NBA season would have to just call it. Um, I don't know what they do with the draft in that, in that respect, but I would think if things aren't looking up that late in the summer, I don't know how you can say, yeah, we can have football still in a few months.
1: Well, you haven't it, had spring
0: football. You haven't had recruiting. You haven't had official visits.
1: It, well, and here's the thing that makes football so much different than the other sports Right now, we have a 10-person gathering cap. So, obviously, for the NBA to get together, you're going to have to get to a point where you can feel comfortable saying gatherings of about 50. The
0: Thunder can't play with Dennis Schroeder. Oh, no.
1: No six man. Yeah. Yeah. So, you're going to have to have 50 to 75 people gatherings to even have NBA games in practice facilities. In college football, you have an 85-man roster. You have two of those. And I understand that the traveling roster, condensed, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But basically, you have such huge teams. And then the coaching staff and support staff, all those people are essential personnel. All the training personnel you're going to have to have at the game. So even if you're playing closed door, you need to at least be able to have gatherings of 200 to 250 people to have enough essential personnel to just get by for a football game. So that's why like even the closed door football game thing, I just don't think it's going to be a reality because by, by the time that you can have that many people together, I think it's going to be one of those things that now you're good to have gatherings again, or no, we still need to keep it to a very, very small number, like under 50. So I I just don't think closed door football is going to be a thing. Gosh, I don't even
0: I'm trying to be optimistic. It's just hard to And, like I I try to read as much as I can about what's all going on in the world and everything I read just
1: We want to, I, this Jimmy we, Stevens uh gives, finally us makes heart, a, gives us a heart attack again even though he made the field goal. Put John
0: Nemo's last name on his jersey. Is that John Nemo? number five the holder
1: I'm, I'm not sure on that front
0: yeah that's, but um, uh, did
1: you see the news out of hungary today this time stamp it again the no. hungarian prime minister has been granted essentially supreme rule until the crisis is over that's uh that's not not frightening so <laughs> so that's where t- today the president just announced that april 30th is the new uh we're extending, or as a country, extending the CDC guidelines until April thirtieth. So no more um, open by Easter, unfortunately. None of that. So
0: just wait. Just wait till Trump just says, "I'm going to suspend the election and uh, basically do what the Hungarian president just did."
1: Yeah,
0: fuck yep. that, man. So I that uh, that historically has never been a bad thing, you know, and like. Caesar just said, "Okay, this is a crisis. I'll just, you know, be emperor for like until it's over." And then it ended, and then he just never gave it back. And then Rome was never a republic; <laughs> it well, was an empire. You've got what?
1: You've got Cincinnatus and George Washington. Those are the two dudes. Yeah, <laughs> that have been like, "I'm good." Yeah, I just want to go chill now. Like, I'm done. Yeah, and and that was big time by Washington, a dude who was more concerned about how history is going to remember him than actually like being great in the moment. Yeah, I,
0: I, I don't want to overthrow one king just to replace him with another.
1: So. Man.
0: Badass. Tyrod so Taylor.
1: Tyrod Taylor. Tyrod, sorry. Tyrod so,
0: Oh, yeah. Even though he had said and his family had said Tyrod in previous interviews. Exactly. Is it going to be Cam
1: Newton's backup for the LA Chargers?
0: Is Cam Newton going to the Chargers?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think I think the Cowboys should go after Newton aggressively. Um, I was sad that my Raiders signed Marcus Mariota to the largest backup deal in the league because you could have just waited another week and brought in Newton because uh, the the incentive kickers on uh, the escalators on Mariota's contract make it worth up to forty five mil over two years. I'm so, so I'm sorry. Like, if you're going to pay that money, you might as well just waited a week and brought in Cam Newton to replace Derek Carr. But so sorry. Anyway, maybe we shouldn't get too in the weeds on that. Uh, <laughs> well, on I mean, Cam Newton's well, going to end up if the podcast not going to be out for a few weeks.
0: Well, you know? currently, OU and Nebraska, they're deciding, like not only is this a throwback in how the game is going, like Nebraska got up, OU's coming back and probably going to win, um, but let's, let's make it like a true 80s wishbone versus the triple option <laughs> game and just fumble every fucking play. <laughs>
1: yeah, the, the ball's on the ground. They're, you got defenders going, ball, ball, every play. Uh, I think the offenses might have moved, uh, been more effective in the red zone if they had run the wishbone of the triple option in the second half of this game.
0: Landry Jones in the wishbone. Who says no? Who says no?
1: <laughs> Beautiful. I mean that <laughs> that naked bootleg was
0: phenomenal. I know. Like Switzer probably saw that and went, "Hey,
1: look at that third down conversion by OU defense. Three of eleven, three of twelve now after this play." You remember when third down defense was a thing in Norman? I know they I, they returned to it last year a little bit, but Alex Grinch, I'm sorry, you're going to have to give me another year before I can truly, like...
0: No, no, like, no. I, I agree, but it's a great foundation. At least yeah. there is some proven success they can fall back on. And it's like, just buy in. Like, I, just buy in. Like, that's, I, the next, that's the next phase. Is like these next wave of players, you buy into what you just saw.
1: Yeah, I think that, unfortunately, for like the results-wise, I actually think the OU defense is in worse shape this year just because of who all they're having to replace... But but going to be a top 30 defense, like you're saying right there, is essential for like now there's no excuse for anyone on that campus to not buy into what Grinch is doing. That should have
0: been a flag, by the way.
1: Yeah. But uh, I, I just think that like having to replace Kenneth Murray, having to replace Neville Gallimore, Parnell Motley, didn't think I would be saying that would be a huge thing to replace at the beginning of the year. But having to replace all of those guys, like I, I now think it's – I don't see this OU defense being better statistically at least than they were last season, but on the field your eyes, they might look a little more dominant at times. <sighs> Goodness. This diamond the diamond, diamond, set was, the diamond my was awesome, thing, man.
0: The diamond was like no, speaking of the wishbone, the diamond was just basically like 2000s wishbone. Oh. Oh boy. yeah, cuz especially
1: Roy! <laughs> especially for as, as much as always recruiting dipped at times you can never doubt the like the versatility of the running back room they always had dudes who could run catch everything good tight ends good full backs h-backs whatever you want to call them and so yeah. like you just couldn't and when you had you know like ryan Broyles and kenny stills it didn't matter if you only had two really good wide receivers because you got two really good wide receivers, and the defense is so terrified at what's coming out of the wishbone back there. The uh, the diamond, then yeah, it's just fun. And then OSU torched you with it in twenty eleven. Oh, that looks so, good. Oh yeah, chew on that sandwich, bang that drum. Here you go. You got, here's your, is that stills over there? Or is that Cameron Kenny?
0: Uh, oh, Landry, throw the ball. Oh,
1: Ooh, that was on
0: DeMarco there. Well, that's another thing Landry would do. He would wait till the last second and then put his receiver out too dry, and that he would just have it oh, yeah. destroyed.
1: Yes. It, it was typically Ryan Broyles, you know. Yeah, Ryan, Ryan, Ryan Broyles' ribs. I'd like to know if there are some of them that didn't ever grow back properly. Like, yeah.
0: You know Brian Broyles, who's like five foot eleven and one hundred and eighty-five pounds. He's like, yeah, let's get that's, him over the middle, and get killed.
1: That's the real reason that Brian Broyles didn't stand a chance in the NFL. He had the talent. He just already had so much mileage on him from being Landry's safety blanket, and then just dying every third down <laughs> for four years. It was just a death on the field. Ugh. that that is the quintessential nebraska corn husker right there just red in the face chin strap on too tight a little bit no Steven pick up.
0: Steven good i was not a fan of steven good yeah he was a big five star recruit out of high school and um i think he started for like 2 years so he was obviously talented he's good but I think he went immediately into trying to find, like, a career in the WWE after he graduated from OU, so, you know, draw your he's own no, conclusions.
1: He's no Jack Swagger.
0: That, that is true. Is he from Tulsa or is he from Georgia?
1: I thought he was from a small t- – let's see, Jack Swagger.
0: Hold or did he just, like, start off his career in Oklahoma?
1: From Perry, Oklahoma. Oh, he is from Perry. Okay, that's one, where my one grandpa the wrestling lives. Wrestling hubs, yeah, one of the wrestling hubs of the state. I'll never forget the segment where he's in Oklahoma City and has the like team photo and like the one-on-one photo of him with Bob from you know team photo day, and he's pleading like Randy Orton to not like punt Bob Stoops. Oh God, yeah. He's just like not Bob, not Bob. <laughs> i was just like what is happening jr was involved in his oklahoma connections great segment of television i'll have to find it that's what we can do next that's what we can do we run out of these is uh is watch along for wwe events
0: oh is that the next big like kind of sports event is wrestlemania wrestlemania
1: next weekend closed doors and i read that they had to pre-tape many of the segments Because they were afraid that they would get hit with a shelter-in-place order in Florida and not be able to gather, because they wouldn't be labeled as essential and they wouldn't be able to get enough people there to actually film it. So, so yeah, I mean, Monday Night Raw and SmackDown have been basically replaying like entire Elimination Chamber and Royal Rumble matches, Mm -hmm. and on Monday Night Raw. I'm worried that they're basically like, okay, in one week, we need you to film the next two weeks of Raw, your WrestleMania match, like obviously being pulled off the road. For those that don't know, WWE schedule is like four days on, three days off where you're wrestling four nights. So for them, like you wrestle one week and then you're off for like a month. Like, yeah, that's a nice break. But I just, even if it's live, I can't imagine WrestleMania without fans like they they have the huge entrances with the with the goal of a listing a reaction that's my thing with college football man if
0: they if they're like we can play football but it's it's gonna be like in empty stadiums like you can't tailgate you can't come to the game it's just the teams because even like when you're watching games on tv if you just tune into like a i don't know like a a Washington State, if they're good, and Oregon game in Eugene. Like a lot of like the appeal of watching that game isn't just because well Oregon's pretty damn good. Washington State's could good enough to upset them, but it's the Austin Zoo. It's a great environment. It's loud. Like the fans are up and making noise, and like all the crowd shots and all the signs and everything. That that's like almost half of the equation when it comes to when you think about college football and why it's popular. That's half the equation almost.
1: Well, it, hell, it, it, you. If you break down football, I know this is a big criticism of of people that don't like football. Like a a one-hour game, if you just condense it down to just the plays, it's like 18 minutes of action. So what are we going to fill the other 40 minutes of game time with? Like you said, that's normally crowd shot, all that stuff. Now you're – like, because I can't imagine you're going to have cheerleaders or mascots because there's no need if they're just there to pump up the fans. Is, are you going to let the marching band in the game, you know? So what are they going to cut to just, all right, let's cut back to Lincoln Riley looking down at his play sheet. All right, let's cut to you, you, nobody's you know,
0: here. You know, you'd have stadiums and programs like just pumping in crowd noise. That would be so stupid, too. I like
1: to imagine that OU still rolls out there. Kim God fans, get loud on third down. Yeah. Just,
0: <laughs> another sooner third or another third oh, down. Is, is the
1: in-stadium announcer going to still be a thing? Like, are we still going to be able to hear? He's under quarantine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just like it, going through warm-ups, is Lincoln going to request that uh, we still hear a, it's football time in Oakland? Oklahoma, just for the players? Is that a thing? Like, because they're just used to it? Oh, damn. That's
0: just... Are we Look, still going to have... There are more important things to worry about, you know, not just personally, but, you know, all of us globally, you know, everybody. There are more important things to worry about. But And how it affects us and our little luxuries that we have, dude. Potentially not having football. Just... Can't imagine it. It, it breaks my heart.
1: <laughs> I, I cannot imagine it like brandon caleb we still gonna have the who you wit who you wit in the Uh, pregame we have to like i'm gonna be heartbroken we don't have that
0: no uh crazy train when the players meet at midfield yeah just a shame
1: all right here we go fourth quarter time baby we're locking in taylor martinez
0: throws with his entire body
1: great tackle tony I don't know about you, but my
0: ass is sore sitting on this ground right now.
1: Well, I thankfully have a very comfy chair I'm in right now. I've got your hoodie I've stolen. Yes. I'm in a good place emotionally.
0: And Taylor he, Martinez is not in a good place in this game right now. No, he is he's just,
1: not. He's like, please
0: stop. God damn. Oh.
1: Bill, continuing the tradition of underrated number 44s at the university. My favorite 44, personally, Clint Ingram sealed the Holiday Bowl uh, against Oregon with a nice interception. Clint five, Ingram. He had I five heard.
0: picks that year, and yeah. one of them was returned for a touchdown. Clint Ingram, an underrated linebacker.
1: Yeah, Clint, Clint Ingram. Shout out, Clint. I hope you're listening. Please, if you're listening, get in touch with Brady and I. We'd love to sit down and do a watch-along of the Holiday Bowl with you.
0: That would be great, actually. Um, that was an underrated little linebacking core. It was Clint Ingram, Zach Latimer, and Rufus Alexander.
1: That's a yeah. good linebacking core. Yeah, I, I think Oh, you would take that in a heartbeat for the last – Oh yeah. Since since this linebacking core on the field right now, Travis Lewis, Austin Box, we're gonna throw in Tony Jefferson, I guess. Um Beal can off the edge. Yeah, I I think since this linebacking core, you'd take that.
0: Oh, I would I would yeah, suck heartbeat. a golf I would suck a golf ball through a garden hose if Jerry and can come rush off the edge for this defense this year.
1: <laughs> Ugh. God, the t- it's just Looking so much, back, it's so inexcus- much inexcusable that Bob Soup's only won one national championship.
0: Well, he's better than most. He did, he got, got a statue out of it, so that's what matters.
1: That's he, gave all,
0: he gave all of his friends and family safe haven here.
1: True, true, true.
0: And that's what's important, you know.
1: More high school has a much better wide receiver coach because of it. <laughs> <laughs>
0: oh second half drives for nebraska fumble three punts
1: yeah (laughs) and then yep there's gonna be spoiler alert what six points total scored in the second half what was the final i'm pretty sure it was 23 to 20 oh yeah so yeah because
0: like i said nebraska was like you know they had that guy can kick from 60 and all i had to do is kick a field
1: goal to tie to send it to overtime well, yeah, it's like the OU defense, basically Nebraska didn't cross the 50 till that last little hurrah there, essentially, in the second I half.
0: I wonder if that's been broken. Most by a freshman in school history, 52 catches, 709 yards, receiving by Kenny Stills. Did CD break that?
1: I don't think so, because CD got hurt.
0: Let's consult the Sooner stats. Bit. Like, he
1: he played – Let's see, uh nope, that's twenty nineteen, that we're we looking for. Yeah, twenty eighteen. So you got more yards, eight hundred and seven, but only forty-six catches. What would be Sterling Shepard?
0: Well, Kenny came. Oh no, Kenny's before. Mix now. there's Let's Joe see. Washington.
1: Yes. Sterling had nope 45 and 621. So CD had more yards. CD Lamb's best receiver in school history. I agree. I got Raider, Raiders. 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 Please. Jets stay away. Raiders, please. Landry from his own end zone. This was oh, all exciting. Oh, my you, God. Because Potenti- you potentially you knew, destructive. You knew you were going to get Landry's worst decision making when he was inside his own 10 yard line. Look, oh. he throws <laughs> off, he
0: doesn't step into his throws. He just kind of like leans backward into it. Makes. I like that. Um, play. Like,
1: I, a lot of balls to give Landry a running handoff, though.
0: Yeah. Misdirection, really misdirection's kind of good.
1: I really like the uh, inside screen to James Hanna that was in that first half. The little shuttle pass.
0: Oh, this was something um I noticed on the FSU um let's watch with my dad. Now that we've had 2 years of the um um Air Jordan jerseys. What yeah. do you think of the Nike jerseys now watching this now? Is uh, there see- do you do you see that much of a difference? Do you prefer I- one one or the other?
1: I was never a huge um why is there a basketball logo on a football jersey guy because yeah. cuz in a lot of see the uniforms themselves are not different they're
0: the helmets much, are different
1: yeah but the the helmet and it's like minute differences though yeah like it's just little accenting things that you're not going to when you're seeing the sideline view you're really not going to notice it yeah, and like the the biggest difference that i notice is that jordan when the announcement was made with jordan brand oklahoma got their own specific font so all of the oklahoma all the sooners all that stuff is slightly different but it's it's unique to oklahoma yeah um it's hard for me to turn off my brain from the thing of like having that jordan brand stuff demarco's just intently like <laughs> as bob's chewing <laughs> let me let me take notes for when i'm on the sideline um
0: and there you go. is your co- coach and waiting right there
1: but uh it's hard for me to separate the mental thing of like the recruiting advantage that having that just gear like it doesn't hurt so i'm just like if it's if it can only help in recruiting i'm never going to be against it yeah so i do enjoy not having to worry about having the rough rider uniform set in a big game though oh
0: god i wish those things would go the fuck away
1: it's it's time ta- like i it's understood. it's really fucking
0: simple if you're OU, if you want alternate jerseys just wear throwbacks why don't they wear throwbacks and i know the I, roughnecks are kind of like a modern version of like throwbacks in a way but they're not throwbacks just wear the fucking throwbacks they're cool so
1: I really like appreciated – so after my diatribe on the Jordan brand stuff, I do want Oklahoma to stay with the traditional uniform set because it's just beautiful.
0: Yeah, it's it's clean.
1: But um, I do appreciate that they were saying, look, we're going to have one set of alternates that we can wear once or twice a year usually. That way it gives the players the thrill of having the alternate uniform set without having to have a different uniform every game. Like, it's just an intelligent way to do it. But yeah. you've now want, worn every combination twice, I think. Like, it's time to just make a new set of alternates. And you can do the same thing for the next four to five. Like, you only have to make a new set of alternates every four to five years once you do that. Yeah. But it's time. It is time.
0: Just, they've run their course.
1: I just hope they don't do a blackout.
0: Yeah, that's not, that, that's not too, a fan of that's of, that's I'm not against it because I'm like, oh, like no, it's not in our color scheme. I like, I don't care. It's just to me that's just gimmicky. Yeah, and I I don't I, just, I don't I don't like when OU does gimmicky shit.
1: Yeah, I just I feel like that OU has enough good throwback white uniform sets that you don't need to add a black from the clouds. Like I really like now not great memories from this game, but when uh Two thousand and nine when OU you just got curb stomped in Lubbock. the yeah uh, and, and
0: those weren 't really even like normal throwbacks. those were still yeah. kind of like a modern take on
1: on the it was the on, Nike vapor you know like. on the
0: fifty six throwbacks, yeah, but,
1: but they still look clean. I like them i like there them was a lot. something
0: about them i didn 't like i didn 't like the diamond in the front, like the diamond pattern i didn 't like that yeah, just just do the o three throwbacks have home and. Home and road throwbacks. We got a fumble. We got
1: a fumble. Ball.
0: Rex Burkhead had, had money on this game for OU. <laughs> That's what Bo Pelini's thinking right now. But, like, you but he some bitch.
1: He wanted the touchdown.
0: It's Travis Lewis with a pick and two fumble recoveries.
1: That's the important thing. He wanted the touchdown. I th- I think Look, what so what I'm, are
0: what are they doing? Like I I get that Rex Burkhead is like the one guy who's consistently getting upfield for their offense if anybody is. But just hand him the ball. Don't like don't make I, him try to make reads consistently. I,
1: yeah, I just don't get like I get that was a big part of the offense, but the game it's is not tied. Working. <laughs> it's the game not is working. tied in a championship setting. Would you not rather have your quarterback who his entire life presumably has handled the football in the big moments like would you not rather just have that guy there well that's why they're nebraska fair Ooh, let's let's talk about nebraska real quick as a program because i don't think
0: i've ever really had a chance to talk to you about it Um, programs programs will go through their dips like oklahoma did in the 90s yes they did in the 60s to an extent uh wasn't as pronounced as it was in the 90s and then Before that, OU just wasn't a championship program. I mean, Benny Owen had a lot of success um, for some years in the teens and the 20s. Um, But basically from the 50s on, they've had two bad decades, the 60s and the 90s. Um, But that happens. It's normal for programs. And when Nick Saban retires, and if it's not Dabo Sweeney, if they just have to hire from within or go after somebody else, they'll probably dip, you know, and then they'll come back. Nebraska is never going to be good again. I don't think they're ever going to be good again. And it's because they shot themselves in the foot. They're in the big 10. If they were still in the big 12, I would say that they could potentially come back because you're still recruiting in the state of Texas and you can go into like Texas athletes, um, living rooms and say your son will be playing, you know, either in the state of Texas or like in Oklahoma for at least five to six games a year. So you can come see your son play. That's a, that's a good recruiting tool to have. And Texas is so damn big that OU's going to get their guys. Texas is going to get their guys. A&M's going to get their guys. The other smaller Texas schools might get a guy or two. The SEC is going to come in here and dip in. Um, but Nebraska, big enough, they can get their guys too. And Nebraska still likes to recruit California pretty hard. Um, but, yeah, they, they would have the makings to potentially come back at some point if they got all the right players and the right coach in the, in the door. But they're in the Big Ten. Now, they can't do that to Texas because they're not playing around the state. So they have to X that out of their recruiting trail. Um, California kids, in my opinion, are hit or miss. You accent your roster with them. You don't heavily rely on them. Right. And then Nebraska is just kind of like a worse version of Oklahoma where you can't like, rely on local talent every single year. So you have to dip into Ohio and Michigan and East Coast players. Guess what? You ain't out recruiting Ohio State, Michigan, even though they're a, a laughingstock, or Penn State.
1: Well, that's and that's the thing with the state of Texas. Texas is large enough that you don't have to out recruit Texas and Oklahoma. Yeah, you just to find get your guys. Quality players. Yeah, Ohio you just find your guys. has a lot of good players, but to get those top tier players, you're gonna have to out recruit Ohio State. There's not a lot of guys that Ohio State's gonna miss on in state.
0: Yeah, if you need, like, two receivers and you're recruiting the state of Texas, guess
1: what,
0: what, there's, like, 13 to 15 great receivers in Texas in any given class. So you can probably get your guy. It may not be the first guy that you want, but you're going to get a guy that's talented. And Nebraska, I just don't think they're ever going to be good again because they just don't have any of the makings. Like, they might have a year where they put it all together and have, like, a senior-laden class and win 10 games and maybe go to the Rose Bowl but they're never going to be Nebraska from the 70s or the 80s again,
1: or the 90s. They're never going to be that. So recruits today are familiar, maybe, if they have good memories. When they were really young in 2008 and 2009, Nebraska having two pretty good years. Everything else Nebraska has done has been before they were born. So they're not a sexy brand that can kind of catch fire. As you said, they've left their um, traditional recruiting grounds. They even had troubles because to enter the Big 12, they had to raise their academic standards, which people talk about you know, them killing the walk-on program. No, the walk-on program was killed because you couldn't just admit every person under the sun, and Joe Bob, who couldn't write his name on the ACT but could play football, can't get into your university anymore. So that's what killed the walk-on program. Not there's, an, or, there's
0: another Landry Jones in memoriam because he's in black I, and
1: white. I just, yeah, I'm, so, I'm just <laughs> sad so I funny. pointed that out. Like it's I'm so sad. Funny. It's hard, but... No, these, is, these people
0: are still alive.
1: Yes, yes, they're, they're alive. Don't worry, don't fret. But like, this is the reason why I wanted and still am a proponent for if the Big 12 is serious about surviving at the next grant of rights... And keeping OU in Texas for sure, they should add two teams, Central Florida and South Florida. Somehow divvy up the schedule where basically every four years you're playing there at least twice. And you put OU and Texas, if you want to do that in the same division. I think that this time you need to split OU and Texas so you can still have your dream of OU-Texas Big 12 title games. But you figure out a way to split South Florida and Central Florida into two different divisions. That way, everyone gets at least two games in Texas, or in Florida in a four-year cycle. And now OU and Texas have an even easier way to dip into Florida and try to compete down there. Yeah, the you, basically do, a
0: footprint. you basically flip on the SEC where A&M goes to the SEC and then they get a recruiting footprint in the state of Texas. It's like, all right, well, now we're going to open up Florida. And if you're Oklahoma, you can basically treat a Central Florida, South Florida, like, conference game, like, it's a like it's a non-conference game in that. It's, like, it's our one fun little road trip. Yeah. So th- so those years, you just try and make, like, some kind of, you know, I don't know, some unofficial deal with Tulsa and just say, those years we're going to play you on the road. So it's – or play you at home or play you, on, like, in Tulsa, basically a, a home game so that yeah. OU doesn't have to have, like, like a game on the road against Ohio State, and then they also have to go to South Florida. It's like, yeah, you don't want to have that much travel early on in the year.
1: Yeah. And, it, and it's like, you get in there, and then it's the same thing that like TCU was able to convince some more Texas people to come there because they're now playing for a power five school. You're going to, you're going to weaken Florida and Florida State, not because they're fired gonna up get Landry
0: the, Jones. Sorry. Fired up Landry no, Jones. No, it's,
1: it's, it should be noted but you're going to weaken those guys. Not because they're that UCF's going to suddenly pull the best player in Florida, but it's not going to be that much harder for Florida to fill their roster. Like that base level, the floor of athlete in Florida is better than just about anywhere else in the country. They're going to, it's going to be harder for them to fill their roster with those guys. Cause those guys would go to UCF and start instead of being a career backup who can come in and do a job if someone's out for a game at Florida. So that's my theory on saving the big 12. And, uh, if you want to go to 14 teams, then you try to snipe the Arizona schools. Maybe you call USC and UCLA and say, hey, do you care about money? Because you're not – like, we are making more money in the Big 12. if you're trying to go
0: 14 schools, I think that's where you go first. Is you ask USC and UCLA, do you want to be a part of the Pac-10, Pac-12 forever? It's dying. It's worse than the Big 12. And if they're, if they're like, eh, maybe, then you go to the Arizona schools and get them to sign on and then go back to USC and UCLA and say, well, we just – we just killed your conference a little bit. So why don't you just go ahead and join the club?
1: Well, uh, I, before you – I don't know. So do you go to sixteenth? do you still take – U.S. so in the scenario, say you go to USC and By the UCLA. way,
0: Oklahoma, obviously Oklahoma's taking the lead, 23 Yes, so Oklahoma's
1: taking the lead. Apologies. Jimmy Stevens did his job again. So <laughs> conference expansion, the first two teams I contact, on that note, is USC and UCLA. If they say yes the first time – are your next two calls not to Washington and Oregon? And say, hey, your really? conference is your conference is dead.
0: Really? Oh, go ahead. Finish it.
1: You, you tell you say your conference is dead, but we can lock down the entire West Coast. Because you guys are still going to be playing top-tier football, you're still going to be able to recruit the exact same way. The recruiting for USC, UCLA, Washington, Oregon would not change if those four schools just move to the big 12 and let everyone else die is that your next call or do you go usc ucla and then just say screw it we're already coast to coast central florida and florida or in south florida come on in and and teams can just they can recruit in california they can recruit in florida like they can make the case everywhere
0: really what i want there to be i just want there to be four conferences just north south east west just make it easy and I don't want like I feel bad for West Virginia that they have to travel so fucking far for their road games in conference. That to me just isn't fair. It's just you're asking so much of your players, of your fan base. It's just not fair, and it doesn't make a lot of sense. And especially if you know, I just want a a geographically pleasing to the eye, like map structure in terms of the conferences, and it just makes the most sense that way. You know what I mean? So if, if it's as simple as taking the Oklahoma schools and most of the good Texas schools and just saying you're part of the SEC now, essentially, so be it.
1: And, and to, to be fair, it, I agree that it probably needs to go to four conferences at one point because then it's just super easy. Conference champions, welcome to the playoff. Yeah. But um, on that note, I do think that Mike Gunny is right on. When, when all this happened, I don't remember if it was two or three years ago, he's like, culturally, they're there needs to be a conference that represents the middle of America because OU fans, Texas fans, aren't going to like this. But culturally, that should be illegal hands, hands to the face. There you go. Um, Culturally, Oklahoma doesn't fit the SEC. The SEC's obsession with football is a step beyond.
0: And It's disturbing is what you mean. And then also, um, they've got roots in the Confederacy. And I know Indian Territory – Technically, half of it was Confederate. The other half was uh, Northern. So uh, lose me with the Oklahoma was a Confederate territory. No, yeah. it wasn't. Read a book.
1: But uh, it's just – it's different. It's a different culture. The Dixie culture versus Midwest. Like, Oklahoma Oklahoma's more of just an easygoing Midwest. Now,
0: that, sadly, is a different story. Oklahoma has its unfair – or not unfair, its unfortunate history with race relations. That's where they're kind of similar with the South. They just didn't have a lot of um, – you know, Oklahoma as a state, pretty good at uh, burying some of its unfortunate history, and that's sad.
1: Yeah. yeah. But uh, it's football culture-wise, OU's not a good fit in the SEC. I get that, like, winning-wise, prestige-wise, it's sexy to be like, hey, you've now got Alabama and Oklahoma in the same conference. You've now got Florida in the same conference. Georgia, like, that's sexy, but just not a fit.
0: I think when you when you're talking about the entirety of the program, yes, I think you're right. But I think if you're just simply talking about football, the history, the capability, the potential, the money, like they're a fit with the SEC because yeah, gonna, oh, they're they're, they're going to be up there with Alabama, LSU, and then Georgia or Florida, whatever, whoever the fuck's good in that division, you know that that particular year, it's going to be like down to those three teams.
1: Yeah, the on-field product, on-field product, it's a fit. Yeah. It's when you go to the off the field culture of fan base, fan base mesh, not there, in my opinion.
0: <sighs> but You know,
1: maybe 2025,
0: like it's nothing the grand of rights are up 2025. Uh, I thought it was 2021,
1: 22. Maybe I'm wrong there.
0: <laughs> might be, damn, might be the next time we actually see football. There <laughs> we go
1: again with the bad, with the bad thoughts. Oh, Ryan Broyles, give me some no, help. You're, you're right. June 30th, 2025. Coincidentally, the exact same day that Bob Bowlesby's new contract expires.
0: Look at these Blitnikov Award finalists. Blackman, Ryan Broyles, and Alshon Jeffrey from South Carolina. What a guy. He was uh, the two years I played fantasy football, Alshon
1: Jeffrey helped me win some games. Yeah, he was on my team. My team name was the Alshon Jeffreys. That was the same time that uh, Get Him to the Greek came out. Somebody ran the wrong route. Yeah, when life gives you uh, something, pet the furry wall and smoke a Jeffrey. Oh, um, yeah. Get Him to the Greek. (laughs) Oh, he just got bodied is what happened.
0: (laughs) Yeah, by Prince. Bodied by Prince. Cream? He wore a raspberry beret.
1: The the helmet topper to denote special teams in practice. <laughs> Those are usually yellow, though. Uh, the condoms,
0: the helmet condoms.
1: Yeah the hel- the helmet condom. Like Demarco, Demarco
0: doesn't really have any fascinating numbers in this game, but I feel like he's played like that's what Demarco did. He was just
1: fantastic. <laughs> yeah, he was just a great football player. Just good. He's just good. Oh.
0: And this is the bad thing about like these let's watch games is when like a, this game particularly the game ends 2320. The game is yeah as we know over, we just have to watch the final seven
1: minutes. Wait, we've got seven more there's one more Nebraska drive we're interested in really Oh yeah and then but I, I feel like we've had some fascinating conversations to fill in the second half. Sorry, it's not super related to what's going on on the field, but but these are these are strange times. Just kind of interesting to note that this is the last time we'll see Nebraska of real any real relevance. The, their next game that they play, they'll be a member of the Big Ten Conference.
0: Yeah, and then they have. I think they go to the Big Ten championship like their first two years there, and they of course get destroyed by Wisconsin and um, gosh, Michigan State. Maybe I can't remember. Yeah, I think so. So stupid.
1: I just they they, they just... left
0: the Big Twelve because they couldn't beat Texas. I know oh, they yeah. want. I I know they want to have like this. Oh no, we we were ahead of the curve. We didn't want to let Texas like bully the league and it's like you know what texas is going to bully any league that they're in if they go to if they go to the sec they will bully
1: the league because guess what they're going to be the richest program in the sec oh my oh my god do you okay hold on sorry put a pin in this 2012 big 10 championship game wisconsin 70 nebraska 31 no there you go and it was 42 to 10 at halftime yikes no, like, again,
0: Nebraska had this this bravado of, yeah, we're not going to let Texas bully us, like, financially and, like, behind closed doors. No, just type in Texas-Nebraska series win-loss, you know, on Google. Yeah. Go to, go to Winsopedia. And look how many times Nebraska beat Texas. Because guess what? You can count it on one fucking hand. That's, is, why, is, that's why they left, because they could not beat Texas.
1: This is a, like, conversation. So, I remember this summer, so... They also can't beat OU either. <laughs> yeah, as as so the year before, suffering through that terrible five interception game OU Nebraska in Lincoln, um, it was the only time I really got to experience the the story tradition of this rivalry of like fans being so good to each other. Like my parents, I don't remember this, but after the two thousand game, they went to the Vista, an old sports bar um in norman and they said there were a group of nebraska fans who like anytime ou fans walked in to be seated they would like stand up and sing boomer sooner to the ou fans until the ou fans sat down and then jokingly they would just chant like we are number seven we are number because that's like what they were going to drop to in the rankings yes In in lincoln that year i remember like just everyone being like hey good game great trip hope you guys stayed warm like we're happy to have all this stuff the whole time at this Big 12 championship game, Nebraska fans were a little lippy because I feel – I know that Nebraska didn't feel like, oh, you stood up for their old buddy. And, the, like, this summer, and going into the 2011 season, we had run into a Nebraska fan working at a store when we were on vacation, and they were like, you abandoned us. And mom's like, excuse me? and They're like, against Texas. And mom just turned around, and she's just like, well, if you beat their ass every once in a while, like, yeah, they're gonna do the Longhorn Network, but, it, again, it, but everything it, everything works out. That, that's like,
0: that's the reality. Like, why do we laugh at the Longhorn Network and why do we laugh at Texas? It's because they have all that power and all that influence, yet they suck balls on the field. Yeah. Like oh, OU can probably live with them running the show, quote unquote. And they do in a lot of ways. It's just because they're Texas. They're big. They've got a lot of money. It's you can't get away from that reality. But then OU would just go out in the field and kick the shit out of them mo- more times than not. Nebraska couldn't do that. And yeah. Nebraska, you know, Tom Osborne, he doesn't want Nebraska to be third fiddle. He wants them to be, you know, Tom Osborne has no problem being second fiddle. That's, that's for damn sure. Watch any OU documentary about the OU-Nebraska rivalry, and he's just like, man, they were so good. They were just so much better than us. And it's like, yeah, that's true. But if I'm a Nebraska fan, I'm like, motherfucker. Come on. You didn't beat Look, OU until Switzer left.
1: Well, that's can you imagine? Can you imagine? Just conceded.
0: Uh, like, he's got okay. a conceding personality, and he conceded to, like, we're just never going to be anything in the Big 12 with OU in Texas, so let's just leave and retreat.
1: Well, can you imagine what OU fans' reaction would be if in? What a bad play. It's the Trevor Knight and Taylor Martinez right there. But can you <laughs> can you imagine if... We look was that a Rex Burkhead pass? Am I not? Yeah, attention? They, they keep
0: putting Taylor Martinez out <laughs> wide for some fucking reason and having Rex Burkhead throw <laughs> make reads as a quarterback.
1: Rex Burkhead's throwing a 35-yard pass. Like, watch this. Why? Now look, Taylor he was Martinez open. Taylor He was Martinez open. is open. But the ball is just so horribly thrown that every OU defender had time to break on it.
0: <laughs> Great play by Jamel should've Fleming. Should
1: have been a pick. But uh, I can't imagine Trey,
0: if Trey Brown or Trey Norwood have ran into Taylor Martinez and got a pass interference.
1: <laughs> o, OU fans would just, <laughs> yes, would lose their lid if 10 years from now a documentary about the, the, the 2001 to 2010 came out and Bob Stoops was just like, man, Urban Meyer in Florida, they were just too good. Or Pete Carroll at USC, we, just, there we was were nothing, just in awe. There like was if,
0: nothing we could have done.
1: Like early fans would lose their <laughs> lid. Tom Osborne is just like man, those guys. Yeah, and,
0: and look, I get a lot of it comes from like the, the mutual respect of that rivalry, and that that's what made it truly special. Now, I don't know if there would have been a lot of mutual respect from the OU side if Nebraska was the one kicking OU's ass every single year. Like, I don't know that changes the dynamic, but uh, I get that. But I, I don't know. Like, Nebraska married themselves to Tom Osborne, just like OU. Like David Boren's administration married themselves to Bob Stoops, and now, now we have you know what we see in this game, and we have what we saw in the Rose Bowl and the Orange Bowl and the Peach Bowl, and if we have a season this year, we'll probably see it at the end of that year because I've always circled 2021 as basically the first year where on paper you're far enough removed from Bob Stoops and Mike Stoops' recruiting and all those players, and you get your new guy in and hopefully a new system of players bought in that's the first year where you basically have an on paper chance to actually win a national championship.
1: And you just have to hope that the psyche of the players isn't so just shattered from being to the playoff now for five years and getting destroyed and, and potentially five out of six years. It's just one of those things where you're just like, uh Yeah.
0: I mean, there's something to be said about getting there because like like we talked about with Nebraska, like players coming out of high school have weren't alive when Nebraska was worth a shit. And OU while they do disappoint on the big stage. They're there, and kids coming out of high school know the Oklahoma name and know the brand, and they know the great players, and that's important. It's important to be in the
1: in the conversation, but at some point you break through it. Well, now kids coming out of high school don't remember Oklahoma winning a national title. They remember Oklahoma losing exclusively, losing huge games at the end of the season. Yep. So not happy about and it. It it sucks that that's where you're at, but Sooner fans, I'm sorry. This is where the program is. You are now the, I, and I don't think it's even Clemsoning though, is the problem. Cause it, cause it's not, it's just being physically outmatched. You know what I mean? It's not getting to the big game and choking. Um, on like one the side OU the- Georgia game. Sure. But.
0: Oh, that was a, that was a Mike Stoops. That was a Mike Stoops game. Yeah. No, no question. You had guys that in the fucking playoff game didn't know where to line up. That's coaching. Yep. You had guys not being able to tackle. That's coaching. I mean, it's talent, too. I mean, they got to make the tackle, but um, the, coaching, did, the coaches are who bring those players to the table.
1: Uh, that's how Landry Jones uh, – looking at back at this, I'm like, how did Landry Jones not throw an interception here? It's, it's, all, it's the perfect storm. of you're in, starting inside your own 10-yard line, the game is on the line plenty of time and you're, you're killing clock Landry was best in the no huddle I think because he didn't have time to like think himself out of stuff it was just instinctual Landry was a great instinctual quarterback if you just told him go 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 boom 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 all across the field beautiful it's when you got into this meerkat stuff and he's he's overthinking things you know
0: we're starting yeah. to feel the pressure of the clock and the OU. defense moving. <laughs> OU is you know, Land- 1-15 Landry-
1: on third down. You, you want to know
0: Landry's best play? Landry's best play, like if you're just drawing it up, is when OU picks up like a good positive play. They hurry up to the line. He lines up under center, and he play-action fakes to DeMarco Murray. That's his best play. Yep. Then he looks downfield, and he can show off his badass arm.
1: Yep. Absolutely. All right, this is the drive we spoke of. This is this is Pucker Your Bums time Yeah. as Nebraska's kicker has got an absolute just freaking cannon, and he's gonna have to punt from the ten yard line.
0: And it's like Tressway. i want to need you to just punt this motherfucker seventy yards. Tressway <laughs> is
1: limping because his leg. He gosh, he's, he's just he's just like ow. See that's guys.
0: the see the Landry Jones era was perfectly married with Tressway. Like Tressway <laughs> got so many opportunities to show off how awesome he was. <laughs> <laughs> Tressway is the biggest beneficiary of Landry. Yeah, he's like he's my favorite quarterback of all time. When Sam, when I was there with Sam, it's like, come on, can I please go out there,
1: please? Tress, Tress is trying to fight to get onto uh, extra point duty at that point.
0: Oh god, huh? you're coming for the game-winning field goal? It's Biu Tressway look at that he just flipped the field and and aimed for that side and then and then we get some poor tackles and that's why it's like oh
1: shit and that's why shane beamer was a big addition to the staff yep and the ability to recruit in georgia and the dc area god that's i I
0: do not miss that the bcs at large shit i don't miss i i kind of i miss the bcs i would prefer the bcs
1: i i Thought that it made a ton of sense to keep the BCS rankings and just say now the top four are your playoff teams,
0: exactly because no, because you have have to throw
1: as much human error into it as we can,
0: yeah. Because you have a situation like you had last season where you had an undefeated team from a power five conference in November, not in the top 10, just because oh, they're Baylor, we don't, we just don't think that they're good.
1: This is what happens, you need to win a game, who do you bring on? Tony Jefferson. Yep. I love now,
0: that man. now, now Bo Polini finally realized, maybe I just need to ask my <laughs> quarterback, ask my quarterback <laughs> to win me the game.
1: <laughs> the secret was having the quarterback throw the ball the whole time.
0: What the fuck are you doing? What, what is going on here? Tell me oh, just, oh my God. I, that was awesome. Yeah. That's like, I'm yep, so happy. And that's it. See, Nebraska is like shit. I think that just about damn, damn, did did it. Time to go to the Big Ten. Let's go do it.
1: Also, underrated fact about uh, Brent Venables being in charge. Uh, OU, there's two minutes left in the game. They still have two timeouts. (laughs) Just in case they need them.
0: (laughs) Oh, it's perfect. And the the fact of the matter is, is if there's anybody out there that's like a Mike Stoops supporter, which I would assume there isn't, um, you can't argue against these. These are all facts. Like we yes. have not bullshitted you one second this entire podcast. These are all been facts. It's
1: just a lot of a lot not of opinions. The these worst part, they burn the timeouts, and the result is the same. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's like don't burn the timeout. Just let the play happen. You're gonna oh my. God.
0: It's like maybe you maybe a player's out there that's not supposed to be. He's not getting the call to come back off the field. So you call timeout. Then they come back out there, and you expect that guy not to be out there. And he's <laughs> no. still out there, and he's the guy who misses the play.
1: Yeah. It's just like, well. Hmm.
0: Oh, what a big hit. Just sure tackling. Just,
1: yeah, heads up. And this is tackling that stands the test of time, too. This is tackling that be allowed in today's game. It's just form tackling. It's beautiful. I don't know.
0: This is, you know, around the time we're seven on sevens, you know, in high school. And off seasons were just so prevalent this right around the time it started. And don't like there is it's not a coincidence that tackling like across the board has fallen off because it's just not people understand that football's a dangerous sport. And they there's just no kind need of to hit in the hit, off season, yeah. Yet, there's no need to hit in the off season. No, there is. You need to teach these kids how to fucking hit so they're not using their heads as a weapon.
1: So they're not killing each other.
0: Yes, like I want them to be healthy too. How do you how do oh, you Oh, Tom Wart,
1: Welcome. Yikes. Sorry.
0: Yuck. So, carry on. Sorry. No, like how do you <clears throat> prom, how do you promote safety like making sure everybody's on the same page of how to properly form tackle.
1: Yep. yep. Hey, Z-
0: hey Zach Sanchez. I like that you're an aggressive cornerback and you can catch the ball. That's great, but you're really small. Stop trying to launch at people like you're uh Ronnie Lott.
1: I I Whoosh. wondered I wondered when people would figure that out. So Grinch's – uh tackling to the to a lot of the secondary this year i felt like was uh Jaden davis especially was just go for the ankles launch at the knee like the back of the knee and i wondered like when coaches would just start saying hey like if the oklahoma secondary gets near you just like hurdle like it's like playing ncaa just start smashing the triangle or the y button and just hurdle until you just evade the defender and oh, that does it what a uh, yeah,
0: please. Break, break I, break I saw on, on Tony Jefferson, Hurst.
1: despite the fact that he was not the one that made the play there, but I saw on Tony just for Ryan, just for my happiness.
0: Goodbye, Nebraska.
1: Look at those pom-poms. And Look at those pom-poms. I'm somewhere up there in the nosebleeds. just, we did it. Bye, oh my God. You okay. bastards. Okay, 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 oh, my God. Speaking of this, holy shit, what game this year, oh, my gosh. Um, home finale. Iowa State. Yeah, it was the Iowa State game. So after the defense makes what would have been what we thought was the game clinching stop, and the entire team runs to the end zone and like dog piles basically, and us uh, now I'm the the United States. Yes, us. the United States. Our section. I'm a very cynical person in general. My first thought in those instances is never we'll call joy. you cynical
0: Wallace over here. It's, oh, it's,
1: uh, yikes. It's, uh, <laughs> well, speaking of Iowa State. Yeah, of course, as a tradition. But my first reaction is get the hell off the field. You're going to get a personal foul. That's 15 yards and that matters. And then of course, oh, you didn't pick up the first down to kill off the game. And the fans in front of us were just like, why do you guys even come? You don't like the team anyway. If you don't like big plays, we don't like the kids celebrate. Just leave. And I'm just like, hey, idiot, that 15 yards, if OU is 15 yards further in and then shanks the punt like happened, Iowa State's in field goal range. The game's not over.
0: It's like, Sorry. hey, did you guys ever watch the 2014 OU-OSU game?
1: <laughs> yeah, I'm just like, I have no patience for stupid people. Anyway, Bo Pelini Bob Stoops, what an embrace. What a uh-huh. comeback. What a comeback! Down what a, 17-0. What a good game, fitting in
0: to a once proud, storied rivalry.
1: Indeed, as I hit pause on my on my YouTube, what a Bob, what a lovely Bob's game.
0: excited. He's like, "Yep, gonna hit a few courses in the morning, then I guess I'll go recruit and then uh, take a nap for about four weeks, and then it's I guess like we'll just show up to the Fiesta Bowl."
1: We're prepping for Connecticut, so it's a team that even if they wanted to, they couldn't. Uh, couldn't stand a chance. Doesn't matter.
0: Lincoln Riley in 2010. How old is he?
1: I don't know. He I don't like, know how old he is, is now. he? Is,
0: is he 28 years old in 2010?
1: I don't know. I remember people kind of making fun of Lincoln because in the. No, he's like 36 right now. So he'd been, Yeah, he's 36. So he's yeah.
0: 26 years old.
1: No, so I remember this being a thing that people were like, does Lincoln know how old he is? Because he's talked about being like his high school or his college dorm room or something. Like he flipped it incorrectly when yeah. talking about the OU-LSU game and the Peach Bowl pressers and stuff. But
0: No. Man. I'm sure he didn't give a shit about OU football back then. He was a Texas Tech boy.
1: From Mule Shoe, you just worried about Dallas Cowboys football.
0: Yeah. Well, that was the uh, 2010 Oklahoma-Nebraska Big 12 Championship game. It was fun. I had a lot of fun.
1: Thanks for having me on, Brady. Of course. A, of, course. A lot of fun.
0: I believe I'll have your co-host of the Sideline Warning Podcast, which you can also follow on Twitter and subscribe to on Apple Podcasts and all that good stuff, uh, Miss Christine Butterfield. She wants to do a basketball game. She is a Kansas fan. Yes. Um, I am not doing the 88 National Tile Game. today. <laughs> Is she um, doing the uh, triple overtime thriller? She, wanted, she wants to do the triple overtime buddy heel game, and uh, I think OU fans, of course, didn't want to lose that game. But that game, since basketball has a different level of expectation, I think OU fans wouldn't mind rewatching Buddy Heel kick ass in Lawrence. So I sure, I sure as hell won't. So
1: I'm shocked she didn't want to do the uh, OU Kansas game in Norman from Trey Young's freshman year. Oh yes, the Brady, Hakabuki.
0: Yeah, Brady Manic hit the big shot late. Yeah.
1: classic, but, classic. Indeed. Well, Ryan, tell everybody where they can find you. You can find me on Twitter at Radios Ryan. In my bio there, there's the sideline warning podcast information, all that stuff. And then at thefranchiseok.com. Um, I haven't put up anything recently since uh, my last article. There was my recounting of my night as I was on the floor for the ground zero of the coronavirus when Rudy Gobert popped a positive test. But uh, I'm sure there will be stuff coming soon. I've been lobbying to turn the franchiseok.com into a uh, AV club, essentially, where I can just dump all my movie reviews that I want to do. But uh, if not there, sidelinewarningpod.com will soon be flooded with movie reviews. So Hell head yes. there a lot of content. And uh, Brady, once again, thank you for having me on. It was a pleasure. Of
0: course. Thank you, Mr. Ryan Chapman. It was fun. Everybody, thank you so much for listening to the Let's Watch edition of the Inside OU podcast. Um, Hopefully you guys are enjoying these, listening to us ramble on about shit, about the game, about shit that doesn't matter and shit that doesn't apply. Um, It's just fun. It's what you do when you're watching football. Hey, there's Nate Fakin right there. K-F-O-R right in the back, right behind uh, Travis Lewis. What do you know? Oh, it's a small, small world out there. But everybody, thank you so much. Stay safe out there, quarantine, be smart, think about each other. Um, let's all get through this and have some football at some point later on. But everybody, thank you for listening to Inside OU. This is Brady Trantham. and I'll talk to you later.